What's that mm. topic about again? Uh, I guess that. That. I guess. And, and roll with the episode. What? <laughs> Can they hear us through that? Uh, if I don't cut it, hey guys, you should, yeah, you should we're keep back. It. Also, I'm pretty sure Chris is living like 10 seconds in the past because <laughs> the the intro started He's like, what? and midway through, like it was just starting for him. He was like, "What?" Uh, but guess what? No, guys? I, I had to register that you started the intro oh. while telling me that yeah, we're gonna figure this out, and then the intro started. Like, what's happening? <laughs> I would say this would make for a fun. Uh, That's what's happening. Last episode of the year, but here we are. Last episode of January. <laughs> last episode of January. <laughs> We're done. We're gone for the rest of the month, guys. Well, hey, first don't of jump all, like that. No, I, I won't. Yeah, I was gonna say we already have stagnated at the end of the month for me. I was about to say, again. look, you've already gotten COVID. Chris has already gotten COVID. Andrew, Big Seth has gotten COVID. It's either I'm the last bastion for getting COVID in this group or I'm going to get lucky enough to actually skip it. I don't know. We're going to see what happens. But guess what, guys? Welcome to Triangle Square, the PlayStation podcast. Back after a weird sabbatical that was needed. Uh, I'm your host, Brett Beck. And alongside me... Uh, COVID-free. COVID-free now. now. Saul Bridges bringing you guys lucky episode 244. And COVID-free with me as well as Mr. Uh, Chris Figs. Yeah, there we go. Hold on. Can I be COVID free too, guys? I mean, I feel like I got really left you out of to, that. You gotta I haven't had COVID at all. Yeah, you got to be I feel like, So you can only be COVID free once you've had COVID. Yeah, you're yeah. like, you're sans COVID you're not really, right now, I think. Yeah, you're, that sans COVID's probably better for, for me, I guess. But you're also not COVID free if you had it, right? You got antibodies in you. I mean, you're just not I wonder being how impacted the, by them. You know what? I haven't looked into that, how the antibodies work for Omicron. Because it, is I was, it the same? Like, am I less is it not to get pronounced? It? I know that this is a gaming podcast, but give me a second because I've been hearing people pronounce that there's this no variant there's so no, crazy. There's no end. So it's not Omicron. No, no, it's Omicron. Okay. Yeah, it's Omicron, like Megatron. Is like, it? like, yeah, like, or like in Futurama, Omicron Percy. Is it O M I Omi? Like O N I is Oni. O E O M I C R O N. No, Omicron Percy I A is. So, but it's not Oni. To be fair, that's the only you have. No, it's Omi. No, but it's not Omicron. But I'm saying Oni, like O N I demon in Japan, is not Oni or Oni. It's Oni. Well, I'm saying Omicron. Omi, not Omicron. 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 I don't know. Oh my gosh. Here we are. In the brain state of, uh, of COVIDness. Thank you all for the well wishes. Uh, I saw you all on Twitter and Discord and, and wishing me well. And I, uh, I made a full recovery other than my brain still being weirdly fogged out. For the most <laughs> part, I still like can think, obviously. I've made but a full I, recovery except like, for my brain. It's like my motor skills <laughs> aren't still like top notch. It's weird. I Yeah. I, I mean, it was weird. The first day back at work and talking to you and you clearly not knowing the word for a thing you deal with every day was kind of interesting. Yeah, I was I was struggling. And I might have that. So I was like, yeah, move the, move the, um, the, uh, the, the real. Um, <laughs> move that over here. Like You got there eventually. Here's yeah. the hope. And I, I stay COVID free till 2023. And then I doubt that. Not putting juju on you. But <laughs> we'll, we'll see. I highly doubt it. All right, guys. Well, we're going to get started into the episode. Clearly, we have a lot to talk about. We didn't get to have our end-of-the-year episode the way that we anticipated, uh, like we usually do. So we've kind of rolled the schedule around. And because we've missed a little more episodes, we're going to have a decently meaty episode in terms of things we talk about now. How long it ends up being, 
we'll just leave to being natural timing of uh, whatever as we usually do. But if you're new to the podcast for some reason, uh, we are a PlayStation-based podcast, so we talk about uh, gaming at large, Xbox, Nintendo. We all play the other consoles or games from the other console manufacturers, if not, because I don't have an Xbox, but I have a PC to play those games on. So uh, with that said... Um, we are not necessarily, if that's what you're looking for, uh, PlayStation's great and everything else sucks podcast. But if you want that, there's plenty of those out there. So just go find one. Xbox um, sucks. Oh, okay. Sucks. I'm sorry. We're PlayStation's great. There you go. Halo Infinite Molding Game to of what the, the Xbox sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, with that out of the way, we're going to get started off the way that we tend to with this. And it's going to be nice to kind of come back to a traditional starting point. So, uh, Saul, I'm going to start with you because I kind of know a little bit of what you've been playing because you were clearly excited about telling me about the mod that you put into it. Oh, yeah. Uh, but what's been up to? We'll get, to that. we'll get to that last because that was what I, I started just last night. Okay, um, cool. So I didn't play many video games like I wanted to. Like you think you're out with COVID and you're like, oh yeah. Thankfully, my COVID case was pretty mild. I didn't have any kind of breathing issues or anything. Mine was just more of like, I was tired and fatigued and my body was a little sore. And like I said, I had kind of like brain fog. Like I was kind of having day-to-day problems of like, what did I do three hours ago? And I, and I could think about it. I couldn't remember what I did three hours ago. Um, it was just a big blur. So I, I did play a little bit of Dark Souls 3 in that time span um, of playing COVID, but or of having COVID. But um, yeah, I was having issues with that, so I just kind of put that on the back burner. Now, hold on. Don't, don't underwrite that. I want to really let people know who've been listening oh, to this yeah, show like, forever. Like I, people know that I can... I have. Let's see how many challenges I've done in Dark Souls 3. You, I you've sped run on can, the show Dark I can, Souls 3. I can fully play Dark Souls 3, all bosses in less than three hours with DLC. I can fully beat the game in less than an hour and and 45 minutes without glitches, I could do... I've beaten that game Soul Level 1. I could do a lot. I could not beat Vort of Royal Valley, the second boss of that game with COVID. It's just, I couldn't... I was... It was like I would... It's like input lag, kind of, when I was playing. <laughs> but um, <laughs> Monday... So, like, I, I got diagnosed Thursday, but Monday I was feeling better, um, and that was the last day of my quarantine. And um, I ended up looking on, like, the sale, and then Persona 5 Royal was on sale, so I've been yes. playing that all week long, a um, yeah. couple hours every evening, and I'm loving that. I loved it when I first yeah. played it. I'm just, Chris. I'm finally, <laughs> you know, JRPGs, I'm weird with JRPGs. I have to have the proper mindset to play a JRPG, but when I have that mindset, that's almost all I will play. Uh, that's about what they require. I don't even think, I think most people know that that's what happens with the JRPG. Well, even then for me, it's like, like I was playing Final Fantasy 12 on the Switch and I played through all of that. Mm-hmm. And then I went through and I was playing through Final Fantasy 10. I was in a Final Fantasy mood. Well, now it's like I'm in a JRPG mood. So I don't really want to play anything much more than that. So like I've been playing Persona 5 Royal. My next up on the list is playing, is restarting my Dragon Age 11 uh, profile oh. on my Switch. Yeah. Excuse me. But, um, other than that, this week I played Age of Empires two, and that's mainly because nice. of the definitive edition. But our, our we have a Discord group that gets on and plays, and like we we do goofy things, and like we have free for alls and and like make it so we have unlimited resources, um, and that's always fun. But last night I specifically started the convergence mod for Dark Souls three, 
for those that don't know what that is, that essentially changes Dark Souls 3 into a different game. Um, if you like Dark Souls, like I know a couple of people that listen to the show that we're friends with do, like Josh and them. If you like Dark Souls and you have a PC that can run Dark Souls 3. Um, All right, guys, we are back. Sorry uh, for the little cut there. Yeah, well, some- Chris Chris had a, a, a happening, a haunting. <laughs> um, don't you live in Connecticut? Maybe even a haunting. Mm-hmm. A haunting in Connecticut. <laughs> So, uh, but anyways, uh, I was playing Dark Souls 3 Convergence. Uh, pretty much play it if you like Dark Souls and you have a computer. It's very easy to mod. Um, you just download it. You just drag and drop it in the game file. Um, that's all I played this week. Uh, Chris, what have you been playing this week? Um, let's see. This week, I finished my Last of Us 2 Platinum. Um, I saw that. Congrats. Thank I'm, I'm going to get back to it. I didn't know you were going back to play it, and then suddenly you posted a picture of it. I said, what? Yeah. I, I, got I don't it. remember seeing you download it. Did you keep it on your PlayStation all this time? I have it on disc. Oh, that's right. I actually do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I've had it installed for a while, and then I just threw it on. And once I got through, you know, the golfing section of the game, I was kind of like, oh, whatever. It's very, it was very Oh, my quick. gosh. <laughs> I like that many. Anyways. But it was very quick. Um, if you know, I don't know. You know. Once you, once you skip, because you know. I, I just skipped all the cutscenes. I didn't care too much. There were a couple I watched. <clears throat> um, and it was fast. Is this your it first was, time playing it? And you get no, no this is my second. Okay, yeah. <clears throat> and you get you 60 frames per second smoothness. So. Yeah, to skip yeah, it looks great. Well, it's like I said in uh, our Discord to you and I think Blake. I was like, you know, the the story is a kind of a mess, but the gameplay is top notch. It was a lot of fun to play. That do that. I was saying that before. You know, a lot of people talked about. I, I thought The Last of Us One had good gameplay. I'm not saying it mm-hmm. was great, but it was good. I liked the combat in the first game, um, but the story I think is the thing that really m- made everyone love it. The combat just happened to also be good. <laughs> Chris, you you were going to make me like die during this episode from last year because hearing of stuff. <laughs> it's, it's okay, out. Chris. Um, it's the ghost yeah, this, of golfers past. Um, yeah. Right. Anyway, yeah, whenever whenever you said that, I 100% agree. I think that regardless of how you feel about The Last of Us 2 from what it does with characters and story, dude, that <laughs> game is fun, tactile, really snappy. Mm-hmm. Like, it feels great to play. And I can't think of a third-person action anything that feels quite as good as that. And, I mean, I love Days Gone. I love Horizon. And I think they both play really great in their own ways. But they're they're just not as fun and moment-to-moment as uh, as the actual gameplay of just moving right. around and, and fighting and stuff is so yeah um other than returning to the last of us i think technically not this week but since we didn't record last week i did finish my hitman 3 platinum so that That's one's all. out of the way congrats thank you you're like six Very, away from 100 now yeah 94 mm. but I, I know what number 100 is i've got my fallout 3 ready to go queued up <laughs> i'm very excited to do that one it only sucks because you've gotten it before and lost it. Yep, I've right? got well, I've gotten the platinum. I have all the Steam achievements and I have all the achievements on 360. So this you will just, be my fourth. You just don't have it on your current your current yeah, account. <laughs> exactly the current one. Um, so yeah, I've played a, a quantum F ton as they like to say now, but really you played a ton of Destiny. God, 
Yeah, I, have I can played, I can attest to a that ton of because Destiny. I've played a ton of Destiny as well. <laughs> well, I've played enough Destiny that you were like, "Hey, you want to play it?" I was like, "No, <laughs> like please, I need a please minute." No. That's that's my <laughs> current response to Destiny. Well, he's still playing, but I was like, "Hey, I'm looking at doing this, and I'm needing some help." And he was like, "Please," he's like, no, "I will." But he's like, I would prefer not to because I don't want to play another <laughs> twenty hours of Destiny Two. I was like, I really need a break. And then, of course, I'm I agree with that. today, so that's fun. Um, but yeah, Destiny Two, I'll give it credit; it's better than I, I felt like it was on my last, my last install in. I had a pretty bad experience, so it kind of soured me on playing it. But I've been having more fun. It's just a lot. Um, without putting a little a bit lot. Of time in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I put a little bit of time into this game, uh, Cozy Grove, which is a lot of fun. I like that. It's like a tiny indie game. Yeah, I've heard you talking about it, but I didn't. I don't even know that I've heard of it. I hadn't heard of it either, honestly. And this will tell you my little bit of a trophy psychosis. So I, I saw it on the Switch store, and I was like, oh, okay, you know, eleven forty nine, whatever. That's not a bad price. And then I saw it on PSN, and I was like, well, I might as well buy it there just in case. <laughs> So I bought it on my PS5. So it was cheaper. I see so. PC games calls it Animal Crossing inspired. I mean, is that you feel like that's accurate? I've never played Animal Crossing, so I couldn't answer that question. But I would say mm. it's kind of Stardew Valley ish. Not as not nearly as good. Stardew Valley is a perfect video game, but I I can um, see it's where someone it. might think that Stardew Valley and Animal Crossing are similar. I don't find them. I don't find them similar enough to where if one person doesn't like one but doesn't like the other, it'd be weird. I think they're mm-hmm. pretty different in that regard. But I think if you like Animal Crossing, there's enough there's enough through lines that you have a decent chance of enjoying Stardew. I would agree with that. More yeah. or less, yeah. Because looking at this, it doesn't really look like... I'm also quite a fan of the third-person isometric camera. Yeah, uh, It kind of gives me. me Don't Starve vibes uh, you know, mm-hmm. from, the, from the way that it actually shows you the world uh yeah. the art style is kind of cool i mean i like the art style a lot. i think my biggest problem with it right now is <laughs> that uh there's no real direction to it so it doesn't point you it'll be like okay you have a quest here but then it's a very small map and you have to kind of find things in the map and mm-hmm. i'll get to a point where i'm trying to do a quest and i'm like i don't understand how i haven't found this stick yet you know what i mean <laughs> so yeah. I have some struggles hmm. with it, but it's fun. I like it a lot. I would recommend it if for on sale. So at least. you bought it on PS uh, on PlayStation Store. Yes, as a free as a thing, I get to play for free. I try it out. Yeah, you might as well. Did it's you play no any more Rune Factory Four? Um, I've gotten. There's a lot. There's a lot of stuff going on in that game before you start playing it, which uh, is it is yeah my biggest frustration I agree. with it. Yeah, I agree. I, I do think the game is clumsy to start. I think that yeah. it's great once you get on from that and that it really pulls its hands off and kind of lets you do what you want to do in a lot of ways. That's what um, I like. Um, and I it's got, got a surprisingly good story and like, you know, combat encounters and how those things play together with all the other stuff. It's a very well, interesting game. I think that's my frustration with it right <laughs> now is that I want to engage in the story, but there's so much of it before I'm interested. You know what I mean? In the gameplay yeah, that, and yeah, continuing yeah. that I'm skipping a lot of it to get to the gameplay, which means I'm later on down the line, I'm going to be in having a problem understanding the story. So I don't know. 
I, I will tell you, I don't think you got to worry that much. I think that the majority of the story that matters happens once you're out and kind of can freely start to do things that you want to do, like combat and fishing and talking to villagers on your own volition. Uh, because That's I good. do agree. I think that the I think the reason it didn't feel so bad on handheld is that you can like watch TV or do something else to kind of yeah, and in, you know kind of have something in between there. Um, but it. It is harder when it's the only thing on your TV screen to be like, okay, yeah, I get it. Come on, come on. But I've also played the game before, so I didn't know if it was because I've played it before. But I remember it being a, a little rough on 3DS. I think it's just worse because you're looking at it on a console level. And games have come a long way since this seven-year-old game, if we're yeah. being honest. Well, you know, it, so I kind of felt the same way about <clears throat> Octopath Traveler, where I was like, I really like the art style. I really like the gameplay. But there's so much story that I was like, I'm good. I'm not going to do this. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, and you're right. You're right. There's so much story before you know enough about the world to care about what they're talking about. So you're just exactly. like, you're hearing this lore dump and you're like, um, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Well, and that's, you know, you can do it well because I think, you know, I haven't played the later Metal Gears, but I've been playing Metal Gear Solid 3, kind of playing it in timeline order because that's what it seems the game wants you to do. And uh, yeah, I guess yeah. <clears throat> there's a lot of well, the way that the MGS collection has it is they have it um, MGS three, Peace Walker, MGS two, and then MGS four. So I was just like, all right, mm-hmm. I'm just gonna follow how you're listing these games. And that the the beginning, there's a lot of cutscenes in the beginning of that game, but they're interesting and they're like kind of badass. <laughs> you see Snake do stuff like jump out of planes and talk about how he likes the taste of snakes and I'm like, okay, this is interesting where I think what I found with Rune Factory is A, they're not cutscenes, it's just dialogue, reading over Mm -hmm. and over of the same stuff. So, I don't know, I think there's ways to do that kind of stuff well, but I don't know that Rune Factory nails it yet. Well, that's my curiosity with Rune Factory 5 uh, Mm -hmm. is that they have this potential now that they're putting this on a console console and they're not making it as handheld first. Um, And so they have this kind of in-between level where they might be able to smooth that stuff over and make them more interesting and actually have cut scenes that are worked out. But it depends. I'm curious if they're going to put that kind of budget behind it. But I feel like they should because Rune Factory 4 was like a runaway success as the company that made it was getting bought out. So yeah. it's like I feel like there's so much goodwill behind that game that mm-hmm. might as well see if you can really cash it in with uh, with 5. And if you're going to Switch and the general rule that Switch games end up being massively successful, might as well go all in while you have the opportunity. You know, Absolutely. So we'll see how that kind of goes. But uh, anything else you want to talk about? No, not really. Um, I installed Homefront the Revolution, whether I actually I play that or not. It was, it was $3. <laughs> I was like, I like guns. <laughs> that was the decision Saul made when he bought that $40. He was like, you know, here's a $40 BB gun. I like guns. <laughs> I like, yeah. <clears throat> so An afternoon of fun will be okay. Yeah. I mean, that's a, it was a little handheld BB gun, but it sucks. It was the worst gun I've ever shot. Um, but that's okay. That's a, that's a story for a different thing. Uh, but anyway, uh, I played, of course, Destiny 2. Played some Halo. Uh, and I've been playing a good bit of VR um, because I took VR with me whenever we went to visit family when I was out of town last weekend. Um, so there's, I've, I've been playing like Skyrim VR. I got a link cable and got Skyrim VR, and it's amazing. All my complaints about VR, all my complaints about Skyrim, uh, and forgive me if I've already talked about this. I am aware that it's been a long period. It's hard to know exactly what we have and haven't covered. But Skyrim VR, I got for cheap enough on PC that I didn't mind rebuying it. It was only $15, I think. And um, 
being able to mod it all out to where like all the textures are like you know replacement 4K textures and there's gravity gloves and you can add a player avatar and all these things new UI system all these things come together to make a, a system where it feels like one of the better examples of VR done right but it's it's funny because I think Skyrim VR no matter what is one of the worst examples of turning a game into VR and then a couple of mods later it's one of the best examples of turning a game to VR uh, right. because of the power of the community um so yeah, it's awesome. I was telling Saul like you can walk around and like pick people up. Like you can literally reach your hand out and like grab them. Uh, you can pull armor and stuff off their body. So like you can hold them up and then like hover your hand above it. It'll highlight the piece blue and you can grip and then yank it and it'll come off into your hand. And you can just choose to like keep it and add it to your inventory. Or if, if you can either hit A or you can put it in your back so it goes into like your backpack and you don't have to open inventory at all. Nice. Uh, if you want to change weapons, like if you have multiple weapons equipped, then you can have like a sword on your uh, hip. You can have a shield on your lower back. You can have a bow pulled back where you can like reach from your back and pull out a bow. So it's a game that doesn't require you to be in the menus that much as much as normal Skyrim does. And I've been having a great time picking up enemies and like getting to really look at them after you've killed them uh, gives you a new appreciation for the game. Like, these spiders in the first cave are actually huge and also they're really detailed, but you don't really ever see that much of them. But when you can yeah. pick them up and just rotate them around, it's pretty cool. Uh, the last mod I think I'm going to do is because there is a microphone. They have one that's voice, uh, voice recognition mod so that whenever you go to do all the shouts, you actually shout them and it'll it'll do it. And I think that's like <laughs> the five level. I'm be like sword fighting and swinging around and Hannah's going to be at the front and we'll be like, Fush, bro, done! <laughs> I just I want to have that experience. You know, they yeah. were talking about. I don't know if y'all remember back whenever Xbox <clears throat> was first putting out the original Connect. Um, they were doing that thing where they, I think, on 360, you could do that. You could yell out the, on the, the shouts on the Connect, uh, and it would do them. I don't think that that's really what I want, as because I don't think that that makes sense when you're playing the game in the normal way. But if you're all in and you're grabbing stuff and punching people and swinging a sword with your real arm, and then you're yelling "Fusro da," it doesn't feel as dumb as when you're doing like when you're playing sitting on a couch with a controller and going "Fusro da." You know what I mean? <laughs> I do know what you mean. Also, um, Connect was garbage. I remember they were trying to have it, and I think they did, uh, where if you were playing FIFA and you cussed. That like while something happened, like you'd be like, ah, oh, fuck this. That the game would give you like a, a red flag or a warning, like a yellow flag, and be like, all right, you're on thin that ice. Is <laughs> I was like, I was like, Mm-mm, don't ever do that to me. But uh, yeah, between that, uh, some Oculus games um, I have. There's a game called Swarm, which I swear seems like the game that would make you the most sick in the world, and I haven't gotten sick at all playing it. You have two guns. They have grappling hooks on the bottom that you use the squeeze triggers on the handles to do and then you have the actual triggers on each one and there's basically a bunch of anchor points and there is no floor there's no ground that's all above water and there's like a earth invasion happening and you're having to use these things to like grab these anchor points and you have to like literally throw your arms back and you can like pump your arms and stuff and it'll give you a ton of height and you're just flying around having to constantly grapple so you're basically being spider-man with guns and there's a bunch of robots that's pretty cool sounding and you and you shoot them out, uh, and then there's other things you can get like tracking guns and stuff that happen where you, if you want it, it, it'll pop up on one of the anchor points, and you can grapple to it and get it. It's it's really cool, um, and that's just the story. They've added multiplayer to the game, so I'm really actually probably going to whip out soon and figure out what doing multiplayer in that would feel like. But it's a good time, so. We'll see what else I end up doing. Speaking of VR, I don't know if you saw, but. Um 
Hitman 3 is getting PC VR very soon. I will be down for that. I don't want PSVR Hitman. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I will buy Hitman 3 on PC to play mm-hmm. VR with that on Oculus. Um, there's a, I'm, I'm glad that I said this because there's something I'm curious about with right uh, new stuff. Okay. Gonna go feed the ghost in this house. Uh. <laughs> oh, there he goes. Chris's body acted as sustenance for the ghost. Uh, but we're going to move on uh, with the next thing. Uh, so, of course, one of the things that uh, we had talked about, and I think it makes more sense to kind of get into it now. I know we're going to kind of mess with the flow, uh, but you guys have so patiently waited for us to get around to the community's take. So we're going to um, do that real quick for you guys. The last episode that we actually did together, we ended up talking about our uh, most excited games of 2022. And of course, we asked you guys that. So... Over on our Discord, one of our patrons and longtime listeners, Jehudi MD, he gives a list out. He says Archvel, which I'm not sure if I remember. I don't know what that is. I, don't I think. think I might, but I'm wanting to double check that before I before I lie. Okay, I do know what it is. It's like a Zelda style game. Oh, that looks sick. Yeah, um, I remember. I'm glad that, that was the thing I thought it was. Anyway, so Archvel, uh, it's funny because you know I talked about that uh, runic uh, or tunic game that I think has a very Zelda like look to it. Anyway, he says Archvel. Elden Ring, of course. Triangle Strategy, Tunic, he has on here. Advanced Wars 1 and 2 Reboot Camp. Uh, Ayudin Chronicle Rising. I'm not sure what that is. Starfield, good. Uh, Grand Blue Fantasy Relink. That game has been uh, delayed so many times and changed developers and all sorts of stuff. It's really interesting. I'm curious how that game turns out. Sea of Stars, I don't know what that is. Um, Evil West, I do know what that was. That was one of the games, I think, shown at... um, the Game Awards. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Shredder's Revenge. Also, that looks very good. He says, sorry for the long list, but some reasons as to why he is. Artvale looks like Enter the Gungeon set in an RPG non-randomized world. That's actually a good way to describe it. Uh, Triangle Strategy, Square Enix Strategy RPG. Simple enough. Enough said. Starfield, Skyrim, Fallout in Space, period. I hope that it, it's good, but I also, I'm going to be honest. When it comes to Starfield, I do want it to be similar enough that I, the things that make me love those games are there, but I don't want it to be so similar. Skyrim and, and Fallout are so different because of what they're allowed to be. I don't want this game to be similar to Starfield or to Skyrim or Fallout too much. And I have a feeling that with what they're going for, it'd be easiest for them to get more similar to Fallout, but with a slightly more sci-fi tinge. I hope they find a way to make this game really feel unique and of its own, like they managed to do with both the Elder Scrolls series and the Fallout series. Uh, Evil West co-op action that looks intriguing to me. So there you go. Um, let's see. We have TT Dog six six six, another one of our patrons and longtime listeners. He says Forbidden West, Starfield, and possibly Stalker Two. Although I generally avoid first person shooters. Uh, well, sadly, Stalker Two got delayed <laughs> like, by a lot. So I mean, it's still coming this year, but much much later. Though I think that that does make the beginning of this year a lot easier to work through. So. Fair enough. Uh, He says, I'm sure there will be a few more that arrive possibly earlier than expected. He says Ragnarok, Hellblade 2 maybe, to keep things ticking over. Forbidden West, because he had such a good time with the first. Starfield, because he loves the way you can spend hours and hours ignoring the main plot in Bethesda games. And then Stalker 2, because I love the setting and setup. Um, Unfortunately, Stalker 2 might not be coming this year now. 
Well, it's right now, yeah. Delayed to December, I think, right? I thought it was October, but it's it's, it's October, fairly yeah. late. I mean, I'll give it that. We'll see what ends up happening. I'm but. hoping there's not another delay. Starfield's getting mentioned a lot here. Rude Days 93, another patron. Also, thank you guys. It looks like everyone who responded in the Discord was a patron. So thank you guys. Uh, he says Starfield is number one for me. Next year it's seemingly uh, next year it seemingly being the biggest next gen only game. It being made from a new version of the creation engine, which maybe we'll see what that means because they said the same thing about fallout four and i'm we've talked a ton about fallout four but i don't think that engine wise speaking that game made any sizable real leaps and bounds over skyrim personally so i'm i'm being mindful of that as long as it runs well and isn't super super buggy like they tend to be great I don't really care if it really reinvents the wheel. I'm looking for a jump that's similar in style to what we saw from Oblivion to Skyrim, which I think was a humongous jump. And we haven't gotten one of those again since this could be the time. We will find that out. Uh, He says in the mystery surrounding it, besides it being in space and it possibly playing like Skyrim, we have no other clues about it besides concept art. Um, it's, It's really interesting. I I'm very excited for Starfield. I just don't know what it's going to be. It's like, you know, we talk about being controlling hype like we have plenty of times on the show, but literally every bit of hype around Starfield is just because of who's making it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I don't think anybody's like, I'm hyped for Starfield because of this or this or this. It's the pure example of hype based off of zero information. The information you have is that Bethesda's making it and that it's sci-fi. <laughs> Honestly, that's a good reason to be hyped though. I mean, I agree, but yeah. it is interesting that as much as people try to be careful, you have this thing of where sometimes a very small amount of, inf- amount of information that doesn't necessarily mean anything can get you unreasonably excited. Yeah. So we'll see what ends up coming. I mean, I'll give I'll give Square their thing. I don't think Square makes impeccably amazing games all too well, but Forspoken before they we even knew too much about it i was like it i make i'm a little interested just because of who's making it you know as a off the clue uh, he says following starfield would be ragnarok and horizon forbidden west and one other game i would have would be call of duty modern warfare 2 assuming rumors are true and it comes out this year 2019 modern warfare was my favorite call of duty game so i'm looking forward to its sequel it was a good call of duty game I did not play the story, so I, I don't know. I literally Multiple borrowed it and really never good. played it. <laughs> so I needed to borrow Metroid Dread today, by the way. I you do need it. to borrow Metroid Dread. You can borrow it because I'm clearly not playing it. Uh, I, I do need to play that. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I need to play Breath of the Wild, but I'm also not playing. Yeah, you know what? You want to borrow my Switch? Because <laughs> I'm not <laughs> no, playing I that need- either. I need you for two minutes to have a switch. It's, it's a joke. Two minutes. My wife says that's not long enough. <laughs> Last one in here on the Discord is Rude Cold. He says, honestly, there are games I'm looking forward to playing like Horizon Forbidden West, uh, God of War Ragnarok, Starfield, and Elden Ring, but nothing I'm truly excited and hyped for. I want something new and fresh that comes out of nowhere and surprises us all. Starfield could be that as it's a new IP and not much is known about it yet, but that depends on how similar it plays to Elder Scrolls or Fallout. Kind of like what I was saying. What would get me really excited would be a new Metal Gear game, but that's not happening anytime sooner if ever. Now, here's interesting about that, Rude Cold. Is do you, is that fit your criteria of something new and fresh that comes out of nowhere and surprises you? Is that I, I feel like a new Metal Gear in a lot of ways is just more of what we already know, right? I mean, it, you kind of have an idea of what it's going to be. 
I guess the biggest thing that it, about it being potentially new and fresh, whether that's for better or worse, would be that Kojima would seemingly not be involved with it. Um, I don't know. That one's an interesting one. I agree that I want something that feels like it really does. Oh, that's the other Brett, by the way. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> weird off-topic conversation. But um, I just think that we're in this point where, like, I want a new IP that kind of smacks me the way that I feel like Horizon did or, like, even Days Gone did where you have this weird thing. Did Chris get eaten by a ghost again? What did he get up? <laughs> I'm not sure. Chris, whisper if you're alive. <gasps> Uh-oh, there's a shadow move back there. Haunting in <laughs> Connecticut Part 6. Dun-dun-dun. But, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like, Saul, what was, what was the last new IP you can remember that really just, like, kind of shook you and thought, like, I haven't experienced this in gaming? Have you really had to think I mean, that? Dark Souls or Demon Souls, I guess. Really? Yeah, like, I'm trying to think. Before then, maybe Monster Hunter. Actually, it's it's new to me. Oh, you might whenever you played World. Yeah, new to the impact it had on me. Well, I think World plays a lot different than a lot of my. Like, it's similar, <laughs> it but so different from Monster Hunter. I'll give you that, um, Chris. I'm going to ask you the same Hi. question now that you're back from um, being eaten by a ghost or sucking off a ghost, whatever it is that you were doing back there. Both. Uh, both. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, I guess it was you know 69. Is that what was going on there? Hmm. <laughs> Exactly. All right. What's the 19. last new IP? Or I, I'll even go as far as to say game. But let's. Like, what's the last time that you felt like you played a game and you felt like, yeah, this is new and something I've not done in gaming before? Uh, XCOM, maybe? No, that's not new. Uh, <laughs> well, that's what I mean. It, it can be a gut feeling about something that's new because, like, you know, I, I brought up, I think Horizon did a lot for me. Like, I'm not talking about, I mean, in general, I think that, like, that oh, idea of like a post apocalyptic world with dinosaur, you know, monsters that were also mm-hmm. machines was interesting and not something you, I felt like I had seen in games like run rampant before. I think yeah. the style of gameplay where you're kind of setting up traps and stuff with your bow and not so much about immediate one-on-one combat, but more about strategizing around was something that at least in the triple A sphere hadn't been as much of a thing around that point in time. So it felt like this is a good paradigm shift. This is different. And I like what it's doing, even when I think it has some flaws, like, you know, the way that characters would talk to you in dead eyed and most of the NPCs weren't believable outside of just literally the mainstays, uh, you know, commanders of Allah. Yeah. <laughs> Being a guardian. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just, I, that's kind of what I think about. So I, I think days gone is a good example of that too. Right. Yeah. I think there's so many things about days gone that people look at and call it like, this is a normal game. Like this is a, a this is just like a Ubisoft style game or something. And I just don't find that. I agree. I think so much of it, I get that outside looking in on the absolute surface, you can say it's an open world game with areas that you've got to go take over. Uh, Yeah, you can look at it and say that there's some degree of that. But I think what it changes up on the thing with things like fast travel having a cost to it and not like a money cost, but an actual resource cost, I thought was pretty cool. Uh, Not being able to fast travel to areas until you actually clear them out of the infestation, which I think is interesting from a mechanics perspective, but also interesting from the perspective of 
making it to where you have to earn your fast travel is something mm-hmm. that is not normal in the AAA sphere. So, I mean, things like that. I think the the reliance on a vehicle that wasn't really what like you know because I think at that point, Dying Light had added the cart, but this idea of like we're going to have a motorcycle and you're going the motorcycle in many ways is going to be part of how you deal with things. I think the game was awesome, so I'll give you that too. I think that was interesting, but I just I don't know. I don't know what would be new and fresh to me that would be the that. Like, you know, there's plenty of games that are exciting to me that are coming, but I don't know the next thing that would actually blow my mind that, or at least I don't know that we've heard anything from anything. I guess that's the thing, right? For it to blow your mind, you kind of have to not expect it. Yeah. That's the best kind of surprises, in my opinion. Mm. On right. Twitter, um, we have not only a new patron, but a new Discord person who decided to post his answer on Twitter. And that's, of course, the Lord Corgi. He says, Elden Ring by far. I agree there. Huge Soulsborne enthusiast, so I'm ready to completely jump in. Thankfully, I've been pretty medium blind, so I'll be going in relatively blind. Me too. Um, other than like the reveal trailer and the gameplay, that 15-minute gameplay segment, I skipped around in it. I think I watched like the first six minutes, and then I was like, okay. I skipped to a part of the video, and I watched like two minutes, and I'm like, I'm done. And then I haven't. I watched the Game Awards thing that came out. I don't remember what it was, because I intentionally tried not to really worry about it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I am pretty blind on it. I have yet to watch like Vadi Vidya or you know Prod or anybody who's like a Soulsborne YouTuber play through anything on the Elden Ring, and I refuse to. I won't do it. So I'm and you chose excited. to skip out of the demo or beta or whatever they call it. No, I signed up for it. I didn't get it, so I'm just like, okay, <laughs> I just won't. I just won't partake in the videos of it. Yeah, that's so, fair. Like if I don't get to experience it firsthand, I might I'm just this. not gonna watch videos on it. So yeah, that's kind of the same thing we were talking about with uh, with. Um, Lord, uh, Starfield, right? This idea of like 99% of your excitement is honestly just because it's being made by FromSoft. Yeah. <laughs> like realistically, Pretty you don't much. really need yeah. much more. Other- hey, it's FromSoft and it's, you know, a little more, you know, uh, what would you even call that? Like Elden Ring's visual style difference. I guess a little more. El- Dark Souls 4.5, <sighs> if you count conversions. I guess there's a, there's a little bit of a different design language going on there to where it feels a little less dark fantasy. You know, but not not too crazy off. I'll give you that. Our boy Liam on uh, Twitter, he also said, uh, "My name is Mayo Three. Got to keep with the memes that we've had for years now." Okay, I gotta ask this literal question. years. Yeah, yes, that that's a real true. picture. That, is this a real game though? I don't know, but that's a real. That's that's my name is Mayo's font with the my name is Mayo jar in a tropical like setting. I'm still waiting. Just cause five. Watch out. <laughs> I am still waiting for this game to become like this very dramatic adventure where like. It's gonna and happen. One of these things are gonna make it to where it's like you've put outfits on him. You've done whatever the hell it is that you do in My Name Is Mayo Two, but in My Name Is Mayo Three, you face your biggest challenge, and then it's just like him with like the uncharted scarf on, falling out of an airplane. <laughs> <laughs> and you know see, what they should uh, do. They should. My name is Mayo. Is the e- My name is Mayo One and Two are the easiest platinums you could get. My name is Mayo Two. They have to design to be like. One percent of players get it. Or oh, dude, that would be the most hilarious thing. It's like suddenly this game that's synonymous with being an easy platinum becomes like ridiculously difficult. Yeah, it becomes the be Grand Theft Auto early. Five of <laughs> what the <laughs> what am I that's witnessing? No, oh, that's cool. It's a cus- no, it's not. <laughs> no, it's, I mean, it's cool because it's interesting and, and different. But it's, I mean, I wouldn't want it. No. <laughs> um, yeah. Our boy, our boy Ryan, he said something that nobody, nobody is surprised by. He said Gran Turismo Seven because, because it's Gran Turismo Seven. 
he's, he's our racing friend, so I I can't be surprised. <clears throat> hey, hold up, Ryan. I need info on the butt kicker, and if you recommend it or not. I told you I, I'm getting that chair. I'm gonna set this up. What is the butt kicker? It's a butt, it's a little thing that you put, and like if you because I'm getting a racing seat uh, chair, so, yeah. so I can get all my stuff hooked up. Um, and it's a little thing that literally has a, a pneumatic thing that just goes. Oh, down. that's like an actual. But you have to hook it into your audio stream. And what happens is it, it converts to low end. So yeah. that when you're driving, like if you hit one of the, the spots in the road where you're so like pneumatic And it'll actually. Yeah. I want to be fully, fully immersed. I never quite did it for Gran Turismo Sport. So, you know, I have to do it now because there's no time like the present, as they say. Uh, to finish up, though, the uh, our Twitter Twitterverse side of things, Luke Davidson said Dying Light 2, which I think all three of us last uh, episode were pretty excited for. He said, mm-hmm. it feels forever that this game has been waiting to come out. I really enjoyed the first one, and especially with friends. Never played the first one with friends. So that's that's I'm excited to play this game with friends, to be honest. Yeah, I'd say I'm not excited so much as I'm just very curious because I know there's so much love and goodwill garnered around the first game. I can't really say I'm excited because I didn't play the first game, so I don't have much of a basis to go off of. I'm excited insofar as all of you guys are excited, so I'm getting that like tertiary, I'm not really involved, but y'all are stoked, so it kind of makes me stoked just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so... That's what's going on right now. Uh-oh, my man's over here drinking White Claws. I think that's actually a monster. That's a monster. I don't drink White Claws. Or all right, calm down. Calm down, Elon Musk. I mean, you would be all right. Do you watch I the Babylon Bee thing with him? No, I have not. <laughs> it was something. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm going to go over. We're going to get a couple of more of these because this one's very important and it really matters. Mr. Cody McGinnis. Says Sons of the Forest, hands down. Yeah, lots of others though. That's that's up there for certain. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, Josh Farmier says Horizon Forbidden West. I didn't get the first game at launch because I was entirely I was, I think it wasn't entirely sure what exactly it was. Then two years ago, I actually won it on a gaming forum contest and has become one of my favorite games. Good. Gran Turismo Seven. Just been in the mood for a new racer. Fair enough. Others are Tiny Tina's Wonderland, Lego, uh, Lego Star Wars, Skywalker Saga. I forgot they were doing that. And who knows what else unannounced. Side note, I'm 43 and just bought my first Pokemon game, Brilliant Diamond, and love it. So much so, a friend bought Sword, so I bought Shield. So does that mean that you're getting excited for Pokemon Legends Arceus? Arceus? Arceus. Real, yeah, real question real quick. How do y'all pronounce it? I, I hear both all the time. I, I've always said Arceus. But I have slipped with Arceus, and I think Arceus is the f- official way to pronounce it. I don't. Arceus I is how I've said it like so. the, the majority of my life until recently, because I keep hearing people say Arceus. So I'm just leaning on maybe everyone else is right and I'm wrong. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I couldn't tell you to be honest. Uh, Chris also recently got back into Pokemon with uh, which one? Do you, which one are you playing? Brilliant Diamond or Shining Pearl? Shining Pearl. Gotcha. The, it's Arceus. Go. Okay, I just checked the pronunciation. Thanks. The internet ruins all good questions. No, I was you wrong. You can't it's have Arceus. questions anymore. Is it Arceus? The Google pronunciation is Arceus, but the official Pokemon.com pronunciation is Arceus. Okay, what is happening? It doesn't. That feel, doesn't make sense. Arceus sounds feel, horrible, so it should be Arceus. I'm going to be honest with you. I feel validated right now. That's <laughs> yeah. enough for me. I, I hate the That's way Arceus to validate you. I mean, the official Pokemon thing says it. Hush up over here with your Sue Swain. Sue Swain. Hey. Oh, that's like eight. 
That's terrible. It, Arceus, see, look, Andrew, me and you are just right. That's that's what's going on. Look, bump it. Oh yeah. <laughs> Nobody else calls it Suicune though. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's Suicune. That's correct. Saul's the only one that ever called it. Suicune. I was a baby. Raikou. No, I didn't call it Raikou. I, I was call called it Raikou. Raikou. Yeah. Is it Raikou? Oh God, we're getting into a completely different discussion. Anyways, here. yeah, let's. Why? Hey, while we're talking about Pokemon, Pokemon the movie three. I highly suggest it. That's where it has Entei and the uh, Unknown, as they're apparently actually called, uh, instead of Unknown, as everyone wants to call them. I don't like. I'm that. getting. I'm getting into more pronunciation problems. Let's not do this. Um, Let's pronounce right. our way to the next news story. <laughs> <laughs> all right, real quick. I'm gonna do two. Two more. I'm gonna do two more. That seems like a good one. Um, Sean Easton says, Starfield, curious what Bethesda will do with their first new IP in, what, 15 to 20 years? And the sci-fi aspect is appealing. Gran Turismo 7, from what I understand, they are trying to return to the original formula from the first three games in the series. That has me excited. Uh, I would say that Gran Turismo 4 fits into the original series, and I would say 5 felt like it did a little bit. I didn't play 6. Um, Sport 100% didn't. I, I don't think Sport's a bad game, but it, it wasn't trying to be a full-fledged Gran Turismo, so you got that right. Um and then he comes in and says, I wanted to add another one I had forgotten about. Marvel Midnight Suns. Uh, Suns. Love the XCOM series and curious what they do with the new take. Um, yeah, that'll be pretty interesting to see. I'm excited for that, and I have not played XCOM. So I love it. do with that what you will. I probably need to play XCOM. I just haven't. Last one here. I'm going to throw it over just because there's some different games listed in there. I'm going to throw it over to Blake. The Ghost of Blake Post. Uh, Elden Ring. No ghosts. Saints Row. Horizon 2. Starfield. And then Hogwarts. Now, that's the big what if one if Hogwarts is still hitting this year. But I feel like it probably will. We've I known about it for long enough. Now is the time. We'll see. Okay, I'm going to say it releases by November. You're going to say it releases after November? 2023, right next to God of War Ragnarok. All right, Chris, I'll, I'll bet you the purchase of one game on PS Store for it. <laughs> okay, I'll take that bet. I mean, it's not like we don't already do that, but yeah. yeah right. <laughs> that was why. it was. A, it's a no-stakes bet, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, with that said, we're going to move on and talk about a few things. Now, we're not going to do news in the traditional sense because of the way this episode's already going. It's going to be a little bit longer. Instead, we're going to talk about a couple of things that have happened that are very specific to PlayStation and I think have potentially big impacts on there. So the first thing that we're going to talk about uh, is PSVR 2. And with that, the reveal of Horizon Call of the Mountain from Gorilla and Fire Sprite working together. So... I know Saul doesn't traditionally have much of a care for the VR world, partially because of where VR was. And I think as much as I enjoyed PSVR, Saul was pretty right to look at it and say, it's a little too nascent. And as a result, it's something that I have not meaningfully played with my PSVR in like the last two years at this point. I may have put it on a time or two, but it's so hard to put on and kind of limited by its technology that it gets the novelty wears off that yeah. has come back to me because I think quest being so much better tracked inside out tracking and being able to play games completely by itself if you want. And if you got good internet being able to do air link, I think a lot of that is dealt with there and you have PC powering your games instead of PS4. So all that coming together, I think PSVR is in a good spot. 
saw are you turned at all by what you see for psvr now that would um, make you any interested in psvr 2 or i mean do if you it, just think that you're out of vr in general like it, you don't think it's for you no if it launches at like a good price i don't have a really big issue with it or anything like that um it's just you know it's it's weird it's just it's just weird for me i it, it just depends on the price it depends on how easy it is to set up it depends on how easy it is to manage and it, and it really depends on the um just the foot space of it all. So I, I want it to be fairly small. I don't want it to be massive. So You mean like the headset itself? Yeah. And uh, like right now, like playing with your Quest, I'd buy a Quest. Yeah. And I'll say a lot of what they're doing is looking at what the Quest has done well, but focusing it back, at least as they say, we'll have to see if that actually happens in action, but focusing it back more towards bigger core gaming, whereas Quest is pivoting a lot towards just remaking old games and using that on the gaming side, but then looking more into this idea of the metaverse. Yeah. So when you compare those two things, um, Quest by itself, I don't think is good is, is as good for PSVR gaming, or PSVR, for VR gaming as some of the other headsets. Uh, but if you have a PC, then you've got all the PC gaming to go there too. Um, I guess real quick before I, I lob it over to you, Chris, Talk about what's new. So they've confirmed that it's going to be a 4K resolution. Mm-hmm. They've confirmed that it will still be variable 90 to 120 hertz frame uh, or uh, refresh rate on them, which is interesting. And I think potentially points at backwards compatibility because that's exactly what PSVR 1 had. And I don't see any reason why you would be variable between those two if you can go ahead and launch for 120 on a new system. But we'll see. Um there's foveated rendering that is in link with the eye tracking where it keeps up with where your eyes are and then renders itself, uh, renders more focuses of rendering power on where you're focusing and then kind of withers away as it moves away from your focal length. Um, so all those things coming together and looking at it. I've seen a lot of people talk about this. And Chris, I guess you can kind of answer two questions at once because I know you're a little more into the VR scene. Um, are you excited for PSVR 2 at all? But also... Have you seen people talking about one of this has been on the Facebook as well? This idea that for PSVR two to be successful, it's going to need to price itself around the Quest. I, if you had to throw a price on it, I know we've kind of already done this in the thing, but for anybody who's not part of the Facebook, I think it's an interesting thing to, to cover. I've seen people being like, "This needs to be three hundred dollars. This needs to be three ninety nine. I see no way this is no anything chance. less than four ninety nine. But here's the thing: I don't think it's going to sell as well as they want, being over four ninety nine. So I really feel like the sweet spot price is four ninety nine. Yeah. <laughs> what do you I think? Too. I mean, first off, like I'm interested in PSVR, but I don't see myself buying one. But I, I can't see it being any less than minimum 350 and that's doubtful on its own and even if it's 350 it's 350 without the controllers so at that point it's like what's the point of even buying that bundle um, and I don't think they're going to do that. I think the controllers are going to come with it, uh, much like Quest does, because I think it's part of the way that the system tracks. It makes most sense for everything to be together. Yeah, um, but it wouldn't surprise me if they're like, "Oh, you want?" Uh, this is also assuming that stuff is backwards compatible. So they're like, "Oh, you want to sure. play Hitman VR? Okay, you can play that, but you can't play Horizon Call of the Long Neck or whatever it's called." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I think that's where it'll really the rubber will meet the road on it. Yeah, I just, you know, I think if you look at what it is, you can't, people who are trying to compare the Quest, there's a lot of things in play here, right? So one thing is that the Quest has got a significantly lower resolution. It's got a 
significantly lower field of view. It's, I think the I think the quest is only like ninety degrees field of view. Uh, quest to field of view. Um, because oh, it's eighty nine degrees, and the PSVR is a hundred, and the PSVR two is going to be one hundred and ten. So if you're looking, it's a it's a much wider screen, and it's going to put out a lot more. It's a much higher resolution. It's got eye tracking and foveated rendering. One thing we I didn't talk about a second ago, as I mentioned, having a small motor in the headset that can respond to things. Now that's a weird thing, and I don't much like the Dual Sense. I think it's something that you have to probably experience to really understand the value that it adds. Uh, but one thing I've seen people throwing around uh, that I think is an interesting idea and might actually account for part of it. And I might, I want to say someone else had mentioned that uh, somebody who previously worked on um, PS uh, VR two, like one of the arch- uh, one of the uh, engineers had said it. But there's some people that are thinking that the motor can be used when your character is walking to add the effect of like, you know, when you walk and your head moves a little bit that you would feel that and it would trick your brain into feeling like when you're moving in a game that your head is moving too and it will alleviate some of the motion sickness that some people get. Now, whether or not that ends up being the case, Sony hasn't quite said that or talked about it from that angle and whether or not it even works that way. It's a very unique potential solution to that problem if it can actually do that. If nothing else, I'm curious to see how they use it and how gimmicky it'll be or if it'll be more like important, like, hey, when it's raining, we can kind of make it feel like there's rain dribbling on your head. Mm-hmm. And maybe that is gimmicky. Maybe it's not because I got to say, playing Returnal, having that rain you know, drip down and where you could feel it in the controller was interesting and I actually quite liked it. So, But yeah, from a price standpoint, I think you're looking at something that the Quest 2 would honestly be less than 300 if it didn't have a mobile chipset in it and had to play games on its own. Uh, so since PSVR doesn't have that stuff in it, and it's instead using elsewhere, it has a little bit of room to move. But yeah, I just don't see them doing it for less than 500 because I think anything less than 500, they're selling at a loss. And well, they don't do that. Isn't anymore. there an argument also, not that we have to go on too long about this, but isn't there an argument that selling it for too cheap kind of cheapens it? And makes gives it a bad uh, impression. I actually am a fan of that idea. Yeah, um, I think to some degree, when you look at certain <coughs> things, you'd be like, "It's it's too cheap for me to believe that it might be good." Right. But I think if you look at what they did with PSVR two, if anything, they sold PSVR two for cheaper than or PSVR one rather. Sorry, uh, they sold PSVR the original for cheaper than pretty much every other VR headset you could get. But in a lot of ways, they overcharged because they were using outdated technology. Everything was based on a move camera that was already uh, the, the camera that was already part of the PS4 ecosystem before that. It was based off of move controllers that were old enough as, to be PS3 related, and then yep. they put those lights on there. So it was very outdated tech because they were taking a chance. But now this is going to be a lot more premium because it's not leaning on old technology mixed with new. They're actually being like, all right, we're we're being on the the tip top of what VR can do. Um, so I think if they were if they were ballsy enough to sell PSVR one for four hundred dollars with a mix of outdated tech powering it, there's no way they're going to sell PSVR two, which is cutting edge, for less than what they sold PSVR for. Now mm-hmm. they have the store and they get to make money off of people buying stuff off of them. So the absolute cheapest I could see it being is them taking a small loss or breaking even at three ninety nine. But I really think four ninety nine price right alongside the PS five makes the most sense. 
Um, And we'll see how that ends up actually playing out. Uh, Call of the Mountain felt like a weird thing to even show because all you're doing is telling me you're doing it. Nothing about that showed me how it could be VR, but it also brings a new thing. Showcasing, advertising VR is almost impossible. Mm Mm-hmm. It just is. You know how many times on the Quest store I've been looking at a game and they try and I'll look at the video and look at it and they'll be like, hey, look. And they'll try and do this thing where they edit someone in and then like show the controller in their hand and try and edit like a glowing digital sword in their hand. I'm like, it's not what it feels like. You can't show that. VR is about how you feel when you're in it. It's, it's, mm-hmm. I feel bad for marketing teams having to deal with VR because it is 100% you have to try it to understand what it can do. Dude, the easiest way to market VR is, I'm sure you've seen it. You take those videos of old women who put on a VR headset and like just (laughs) fall over because they feel it's so real. That's the only thing you need to do. Have a montage. Here's the the problem with that, though. Those are funny and people love them, right? What is crazy about that is I actually think that might belittle your own tech because the grandmas who are doing that are typically grandmas who are doing it on those little things where you slide your phone in front of a thing. You know what I mean? Like I've seen people where it's like the little $30 headset that you strap your phone into and then close sure. the lid and, and put on the VR thing. And then the grandmas get like freaked out on that. I don't know. I feel like to some degree that might be like, oh, so this is the same as the $40 headset I can get at Walmart. You know what I, I mean? mean? Oh yeah, that's true. Because there's a lot of cheap ones out there. Sure, but to an extent, yes, it is the same as the forty dollar headset you get. It's just an entirely a better way of doing it. I don't know, because to me, it reminds me. It would remind me of the like. You remember when they would do like Paranormal Activity one, and they had those commercials, and it was just people in the movie theater tinged green <laughs> and screaming. Like, yeah, that's all. That's I feel like that's the best way is to just do like. Or almost do like a Tim and Eric sketch of people just talking about their experiences of VR. You know what I mean? Because it doesn't make sense to me to be like, okay, here's a glowing sword or whatever. Have real video of actual people playing VR. You know? But I think the thing that Call of the Wild showed was, oh, crap, this looks really good. This doesn't look like, you know, a pixelated mess. It does look great. It looks like it's using... um it's it, it looks like it's using Horizon Forbidden West assets, right? Like yeah. that. I mean, there's plenty of different things because you know VR doesn't have to have all the post processing that a flat screen needs to try and sell you on it. Mm-hmm. But it looked like when I look at that, I like that looks a lot like Forbidden West when they showed it, just first person. Right. Hmm. I think I interrupted you. Were you trying to finish something up? No, I'm good. Okay, cool. Uh, next thing up, and this one's kind of weird. I feel like the next two kind of maybe come together. Uh, PS Now cards have been being pulled from store for the last few months to seemingly prepare for Spartacus, as we were told it was called by Bloomberg, which is still kind of up in the air as to whether it's like a PS Plus replacement, if it's a PS Now replacement and PS Plus stays untampered, or if it's like a tiered addition to the PS Plus system to where things are built in the tiers. Hopefully we'll learn that soon enough. Uh, but the big thing there is how soon are we going to be hearing about this new product and our new service, rather? Uh, and then on top of that is the back compa- backwards compatible patent that was filed by Sony by Mark Cerny um, that looks at doing backwards compatibility by means of spoofing clock speeds so that the game thinks it's running on the original thing. That's an interesting way to do it. Mm-hmm. Now... 
this sounds an awful lot like some of the rumors that were happening when the PS5 was first happening, where people were saying that they had basically built a CPU that could scale itself down to be any CPU prior. Um, the PS3 has always been the one that was like, how does that play into play? How does that come into play here? PS2 and PS1 are pretty easy to pull off. Um, PS3 is always the one of what are they going to do to get around that? And how much have what PCs been able to pull off with PS3 emulation fix that? Um, so, ostensibly, the thought process here is that backwards compatibility in through this manner is potentially part of this tiered service. Do you agree, or do you think this might still be a overall feature level thing where if you own a PS5, you could do backwards compatibility? Because it feels I, weird to lock something that the system can do natively behind a paywall. Yeah, a little bit. But the question is, can the system actually do this natively? Yeah, you know. Or is this an when, app you're going to download? Like, are you going to download the Project Spartacus app that can now, like, if I put, I don't know, if I grabbed Infamous out of my, from the PS3 case and put it in my PS5, does it launch into the Spartacus app and then launch from there? That's the question, right? Can the PS5 do this? I think the biggest problem with this is that you would look like garbage compared to Microsoft. And that's just oh, giving yeah. ammo to people who want a console war that well, it's oh, weird, well, right? Sony's I think, charging. Yes, that's what I was going to say. Is putting it behind a paywall, I think, looks bad when Microsoft is doing it for free. But then you also have this thing of where like Microsoft's doing <laughs> backwards compatibility that not only is there, but looks better. Like you can play the games backwards mm-hmm. compatibility and their higher resolution and higher potentially frame rate. Um for a lot of games. And I think that that's, uh, that's something Sony has to contend with. I mean, I'm not going to act like them bringing backwards compatibility in any shape or form is not, is, is nothing. It is a big stride, but to some degree, the talk around backwards compatibility has been really controlled by Xbox and how they started to do that last gen with the idea of enhanced backwards compatibility. And while I know Sony has that for like PS4 games, we're talking about Xbox series X being able to play original Xbox games at like 1080p. Or whatever, you know what I mean? And, and yeah. play at 60 frames per second instead of 30 frames per second. And those are big deals that I don't know how Sony contends with. Maybe that's the big thing is like looking at the patent and patents are hard to understand. They're really dense and you got to read a lot. It seems to me like the patent is describing just spoofing itself down so that the game believes it's the original CPU, which if so, then that means that there's no extra power if you're spoofing. Or what are you, are you telling the system are you telling the game that this is the clock speed, but then it, it starts to run, but then whenever it starts to run, it actually realizes there's overhead so it can push further. And that that's the big question is, is mm-hmm. this just fooling the CPU into being, hey, you're basically just playing a PS3 on your PS5. There's no improvements. It's just the exact same game. And right. how much do people really want that? I'm sure people will still be excited for it, but it's just a different conversation than what Xbox is doing and they have to contend with that. So putting that behind a paywall is is a very hard thing. But what I was going to get at real quick and then I'm curious to see what you say about that. Um, you remember last gen when Xbox kept talking about this idea of games that mm-hmm. as you're playing them lean on the cloud to do certain aspects of it as well. Yep. Do you think that part of the way they're figuring out PlayStation here is that they're figuring out how to natively render the graphics through the GPU, but then the CPU side of things runs through the PS5 CPU, but then gets assistance from cloud processing 
that as comes as part of PS Now's <clears throat> technology, basically the the Microsoft Azure servers, where they have a server stack that can run PS3 code a little bit better. Maybe there's ser- PS3 CPUs built into that stack, and they can help send information and pull that all together. That way, the majority of the title is still really being played natively, but it's still relying on server access somewhere else and cloud gaming. Um, I don't know. That's definitely possible. I think the thing that I was going to say, which is what I think I could see them doing, is you know, you can play every game on your console now with no upgrades and it's just the PS3 version on your PS5 or Project Spartacus is like here's FPS, here's all the boosts or whatever. Because I do think at a certain point while Microsoft is doing this they may not be doing it to the same degree because let's not forget their backwards compatibility is not unlimited backwards compatibility. It's a curated catalog of backwards compatibility. So if If Sony can pull it off, because the patent's saying PS1, PS2, PSP, PS3, if they can pull it off where, okay, you have a disc or you want to buy these, you can. They don't look any better, but everything's on here. And then maybe you pay for this system and it's like, okay, this system is a little higher end. It costs us a little bit more, but you get FPS boost and you get 4K. I wonder if that's a trade off that I, that's a trade off that I would be fine with. So, I, I mean, I would pay for the times that I want to play those older games. But do you not think that that Microsoft, even with the curated list offering FPS boost and uh, and resolution boost for free, wouldn't be kind of gawked at? No, because it's well, it would be gawked at. But I think if you sit down and think about it, it's Microsoft curated this list, so mm-hmm. it's not the same as. All of our games work. If you have a disc, they work. You can buy them, you know, obviously up to the publisher discretion at a certain point, but you can buy anything on our store. Yeah, and license agreements and stuff too. I don't think that's the same conversation, even though people will be trying to have the same conversation. You know that's I mean? more of what I meant is that the com- yeah regardless of how similar the, the the actual pieces are of the conversation they're going to be talked about in broad strokes as in this is backwards compatibility this is backwards compatibility it doesn't matter that you're right Xbox has never had full backwards compatibility which sucks yeah. because there's plenty of times even on 360 I remember oh I want to play this but it's not supported on 360's backwards compatibility but my PS3 that can play PS2 games can play every PS2 game mm-hmm. and people didn't want to talk about that and didn't want it to pay for that but there's a reason why those things work the way they do um, yeah. so in that regard I guess the bigger thing is is if you're going to have it to where you're paying what are they, why are they paying are they paying for something that again that's the big question is Spartacus paying for something the system can already do or is this leading back to Spartacus having to be you can play all these games and you can buy all these games and they are mostly on your system but we do have to lean on cloud processing to achieve the FPS boost and everything boost across the entire library as opposed to strategically going around and updating a handful of games. It'll probably be the first one because I well let's not forget that I don't know about the Xbox One or the Xbox Series X, but it's it, the system was not capable of doing it. No, what do you mean? I'm sorry. Which, which system? The Xbox One. Like that was a big struggle for them, and they had to figure out a software solution that mm-hmm. to help emulate some of it. To help it, they. It's not like they built the Xbox One with backwards compatibility in mind. It was a struggle for them that they figured out. So, mm-hmm. I yeah, don't know software even, alongside hardware. 
Right. I don't know that the argument of can the system do this already even applies personally. Well, I guess still similar thing though, right? No. I mean, yeah, you, you you are leaning on software to help and do some of these things and you're writing kind of emulation software on top. Uh, but in all honesty, that's most of what PS2 games on PS3 were in a similar sense of you you have the actual PS2 hardware in there, but then you have software emulation to help do things like all these things of how do you handle saves? How do you handle the way that it reads controllers? All of that runs through emulation software that they layer sure. on top of the hardware, um, which makes sense. You got to do that to some degree, right? And they did that here. And I understand that as well. Kind of like the Vita. The Vita had a weird situation where it basically emulated the PSP within itself, but mm-hmm. there was also PSP hardware within itself so that it could play all PSP games that were digital. Um, right. So when you look at those things, it's still, even if you're having to lean on software coding that maybe you didn't have ready for launch, it's still inherently something the system can do with this extra layer. Basically, I'm saying the system has the power, even with software coding, you know, to help it to be able to pull this off as opposed to having to lean on something like they did with PS Now, where it's like, hey, you can only play PS3 games on PS Now because we just can't make them work on a console level. That's going to be the interesting part to see is... If if they're getting rid of PS Now as part of Spartacus, that would make me think that their agreement they had with uh, for cloud gaming with Microsoft and Microsoft Azure servers is somehow playing into the fact that they plan on still using cloud gaming somehow. Yeah, and where is that going to be used? Maybe it's just, maybe it's entirely used for like remote play. Hopefully, and, and maybe I that's mean, really it. Yeah, I hope it's I hope it's for something that's that's worth it right because you know we'll get into pricing and stuff like that about this who's to say that you know this could be 30 bucks a month that's true it yeah. could be it but you know you would think or hope it's going to be at least 20 dollars a month somewhat against Pass ultimate that is you know 20 bucks a month for what you get there pretty much the same kind of deal right yeah it's 15 for game Pass. For, or, yeah 15 yeah. so but arguably sony has such a big backlog and Sony has, you know, have been around a little bit longer, and they have more IP than Microsoft, and I'm just that's just factual stuff. As much like Nintendo has got tons and tons of IP um, because they've been around forever. But um, I guess the question is: is if they wanted to charge more, could Sony be like, yeah, you get way more games because, like Chris says, it's not a curated list. Instead, it's literally every game. So we don't have to be the arbiter of saying, well, we know that you love. Uh, Metal Gear Solid 4. Yeah, we know you love uh, Motocross, you know, XM4, some ridiculous offshoot game, but we don't see it as important enough to try and add to the list of backwards compatibility because it's too niche. Yeah, I think Sony could really lean on, hey, you know all these great like Dark Cloud and uh, Shadow Hearts and all these weird niche JRPG games that everyone loves? Now you can play them. Uh, every single one of them. And we, you don't have to be like, oh, I wish I could play that on, on Xbox, but Xbox didn't see that as a necessary backwards compatible title, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I, honestly, like you got, like, I have a feeling that it will launch either the same exact price or a higher price. And then going from there, within a year, we'll see pricing adjust to what will be permanent. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see. And I'm also curious if Sony's going to want to adjust price or not. Because yeah. I think that they really want to come out of the gate with the price that they have. Like Microsoft hasn't really adjusted the price of Game Pass outside of the get it for three months for a dollar a month just because they're trying to get you in, right? Yeah. Mm. I don't know. There's an this extra a- layer to this that I didn't get to follow up today. I know that you saw and, and commented on it, Chris. Is that, Am I to believe that there are PlayStation 3 games being added to the PlayStation 5 store? Supposedly, That's but I've the- heard something 
on Twitter, uh, Tidex or or MG, MGB, MBG, whichever one. I'm not sure which one I saw it from. I was saying this is actually something old. It is, yeah. It's from so, PS Now's pricing thing. It's like how you can see what they're priced on PS Now well, for PlayStation 3 users. No, not necessarily because the Prince of Persia games that were found are not, were never are on Are not now. on, yeah, they haven't been on PS Now. The, that I'm aware of, at least. No, they haven't been. That was the whole thing about those two. I know the Dead or Alive one had, but... Um, hmm, that's weird. I don't know. Um, it's definitely possible that this is an indicator, but I, I, I'd I want to wait and see. This could just be a PSN store glitch, or it could be a PS Now thing. Maybe Prince of Persia's coming to PS Now. Who knows? That's also a possibility that no one's talking about, that they might just be adding that game in. True, but then why would pricing be involved? You know what I mean? Because PS Now doesn't do that now. You don't. I, well, I don't yeah, know. That's we'll the have weird to see. Thing. And if I'm not mistaken, looking at those images, it was Dead or Alive Three, which is a PS3 game or whatever, but it said okay. PS4. Meaning weird. to me that, weird. that it is a playable version on a PS4 slash PS5, but it's the PS3 game. Oh, so that's, there's a lot to look at there. So we'll, we'll end up seeing what comes. I mean, it seems like this is the only thing. Patents don't have to be filed as soon as you do them, right? You can kind of just file them whenever, but you can technically be beat. Patents just there to say this is the means at which we're achieving this, and we want to lock that down for a while. Well, this is also um, an old patent that was renewed. It was. It's not a new patent. Yes, yeah, but the fact that they re- that they just now renewed it is interesting because it's like, does that mean that they're we're about to see something, or does this mean that they're back at looking at this in a specific way? Yeah. Like, I'm curious as to how much this really means. Like, is there a chance that we get backwards compatible for PS5 in 2022? Which would be sick. I don't, and there's also the uh, patent that got kind of renewed and brought back up about this idea of um, adding trophies to classic games, which they kind of already mm-hmm. did when they did the PS2 things. So there's this idea of like that means PS2 and PS1 games could get trophies added retroactively for developers and publishers that are still around to do so. Do it. And maybe that's where Sony has to, right? Maybe that's where Sony has to curate. Uh, well, for you know, we'll, we'll add our own trophy triggers to certain games that we know are fan favorites that there's no one around to completely do anymore, and we'll curate which ones we can afford to have so, that time added to. You know? Okay. What if you know? Maybe I don't, I don't maybe. know. Obviously, we're all speculating. But what if backwards compatibility just comes to the thing, and it's like, okay, this PS2 game, you can play it. But Spartacus is a curated FPF, SPF boost. We added trophies. Here you go. 30 bucks a month. I mean, I don't know. 30 bucks a month is too high, but I mean, it's 100% not going to be $14.99 a month. It's a three tiered system. I'm, hey, look, I, I'm it. not saying that. Yeah, that the tier is what gets me. Like, is the highest tier the $30 a month one? This and is what Sony value is talk- that? And, this is Sony yeah, we're talking I mean, about. I'm telling you, the top tier is going to be $50 a month. I would put money on uh, that right now. I, I'm. Why do you say this is Sony we're talking about? Because at least what I'm looking at, and, and if I'm looking at it in a weird way, feel free to tell me. I think that in looking at this, I think Sony have consistently shown that you can actually get PS Plus and PS Now together entire year of each one for $120 a year, which is cheaper than Game Pass Ultimate sure. at $150 a year. So How if anything, the they've shown me that they're, they're lower. Cost? 70 yeah there you go 
They're over, but they're, here's the thing. I'm not are saying. You, are you telling me this is a bigger question? Are you telling me that games day one games are coming into the service at fifty dollars a month, thirty dollars a month, whatever it be? Maybe because if so, then maybe I agree with you. But I don't. I still don't think Sony's ready to do that. I would be. I would I be really interested should, to see if Sony really is going to start adding their games day one to any service. I don't care what it is. I don't think that they want to do that yet. I mean, I don't even think they're they going to add them day one to PC. So it doesn't. No, they're you not know, adding so it to a free service is a whole other thing. Not you know, free, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, I know you get more sales out of a game, but people keep talking about, hey, day one PC, that I that goes completely against their monetization scheme. The idea mm-hmm. is to try and get as many people as you can who want to play this game so badly that they may buy a console they don't have yet and then continue to buy games so that they get more and more money off of each purchase. Right. That's what that is. Then, once that IP has done that on the system level, <coughs> you go, now we can make a little bit more money off of this game that we spent so much money on to be a flagship title by putting it on PC and getting another one to two million sales if you're lucky you know what i mean and i don't i don't anybody who thinks they're gonna do that day one that would completely dilute that need so we'll we'll look and see Uh, Saul, do you have any final words no i'm just i would be curious to see when this would launch if this is you know how concrete things are going to be and what they're going to be i already see specifics of everything i think the middle tier that might be as close to a comparison to uh Game Pass Ultimate, as you can make between the two services, is going. It could be up to twenty bucks a month, which would still be considerably more. Five dollars more a month than uh, Game Pass Ultimate is a uh, is a big increase. But we'll have to look and see. Uh, next thing up, which is really quick, uh, Twisted Metal is seemingly still happening, which I, I'm mainly talking about because it kind of seemed like it was not for sure before, but we kept hearing rumors about it being at Lucid, which are the team behind Destruction All Stars. Um, that apparently moved, and I guessed that it was Fire Sprite, and then we kind of hear now that the rumor is that it did move to Fire Sprite, uh, mm-hmm. with the MotorStorm director being over the game at Fire Sprite. So we'll wait and see what that is. Uh, one of the things that came out since we've been missing is also The Last of Us remake is seemingly coming in 2022, which can ter- confirms that it is still indeed coming, and. Makes sense with the Twisted Metal thing that Sony's really going all in on making sure they have a game ready to launch aside, alongside their TV show productions. I don't know if that's actually a great idea or not. I don't, that's, you know, but I think that's it where makes, we are. I think it makes sense whether it's a good idea. Is I think it makes thing. sense, but whether or not it's actually successful is hard to gauge at this particular moment. Well, Saul, I, I would think you Twisted play Metal a, is. You play The Last of Us remake? Yeah. Go ahead, Chris. What about Chris Twisted right. Metal? Well, I think Twisted Metal is the more iffy one. But I want to gut check you guys on something for Last of Us Remake. Okay. Are they going to change the models to the actors? If they do, I won't play it. I don't think they will. If they do, I, I say I'll, I'll put it as a general statement right now. I will not play it. I would refuse. I would think that's the same as whenever a book uh, gets adapted into a movie, and then the, all the book covers change to like now a major motion picture. No, fuck off with <laughs> and that. And they use I all the. I can't stand that. And no, they use the actual movie picture. That is, yeah, that is. You can't find. It's so hard to find. But, I am legend now. That's not Will Smith on the cover. And I love yeah. Lord of the Rings, but I don't want Lord of the Rings with the pictures of the movies on the books. Yeah. I want the original art or so something. For right. those that don't comparable, know, you know, I am legend is so much a better of a book than it is than the movie. That it's yeah. absolutely watch, uh, it's vampires versus zombies. It's literally what it is. It's 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 you have zombies from the uh, the movie, which you could call them vampires because they don't come out not, but these are real vampires that don't like garlic that talk and taunt Neville out in his front yard, 
that are intelligent. No, I can't stand it when stuff like that happens. So yeah, I would 100% refuse Chris. Well, here's so what the bigger if, thing, right? I think sometimes shows like The Matrix and stuff have to, like, you know, Matrix 2 to 3, they have to change the Oracle actress because the actress died. You have to mm-hmm. deal with that kind of stuff here, right? But I think there's no real reason in a video game to need to change character models because it's it's all tech-based. You're not having to worry about someone dying or anything. So I get what you're saying. You're saying from the the marketing standpoint of like, hey, can uh, dig further into the story with these characters in this game. But I think that they know how big the backlash would be from the gaming standpoint. And The Last of a Show is only going to be as successful as the gaming people get to push out. And The Last yeah. of Us already kind of broke the mold outside and got people who weren't gamers to play it. So I just think that they know that there's a duty not to. I would be really surprised to see Sony make that decision. I think that they know it's the wrong decision. <clears throat> see, I think they're going to do like, now, alternate costumes. And the, the alternate uh, costumes options? of Pedro and her will, sure. be, the, will sure. be the defaults. But I think you'll be able I, to immediately change them. I don't, I don't think so. I think if they're the doing opposite. this for... Con- uh, I can't remember the word. Congruity? I guess. No, that's not right. It sounded like Continuity? baby talk when I just said that. Congruity, congruity. They were doing it for that. I think the that is the move, but I don't think that's the right call. I think that what they're doing here is remaking it so that there's a new fancy version of it that can make more money off of a game that already did all this, and it can be improved with The Last of Us 2's gameplay, which I think is a smart choice. Yep. And I think the main thing that they're doing here is that they can do the show, and they can say, uh, play the story the show was inspired by, or you know, play the game that the show was inspired by, uh, and are going to talk about here's the original character and everything, and then I have a feeling they're going to market, um, uh, you know, pre-order now and play as Pedro Pascal and <laughs> this person here, and you get them unlocked to where you can actually just switch over to them. And I don't mind that so much as I do the idea of having them automatically be, you know, Pedro P- Pascal and Bella Ramsey. I don't think that's Pedro bad. Pascal is great. Bella Ramsey is uh, there's better people, I think. She's a good actress. Who's Bella Ramsey? Is that the one who's Game of Thrones? Yeah. Yes. She is a t- she played a top ten Game of Thrones character, so I am not upset. She doesn't look anything like Ellie other than being young and brunette. Same, I mean, well, see, same, Pedro same Pascal problem, though, right? Doesn't really look like a, a Joel. Uh, I, see, that's I, the thing. I don't think. I'd argue you can. This make, is a big thing. It's a problem, right? Once you know what something looks like. It's so hard when they try and be like, here's it in a different way. Because you're like, no, that's not what I knew that <laughs> as. That's not what that is. And ha- what does every discussion around a movie or a show or about a video game turn into? They don't look like the person. And I've been part of it too, right? The, the, you know why all these gamers are so fervently wanting it to be... Uh, Nolan, um, uh, Nathan Fillion. Not Nolan North. Nathan Fillion for Drake is because he, he looks, looks like and sounds just like him. So there's like, you don't have that disconnect in your brain. Whereas when you see, you, you know, can tell Mark me that's Walmart, Joel, and I'd be like, yeah, that's Joel. That looks, that looks more identical than Joe than that looks like Ellie. I'm going to tell you right now. I think, uh, I think if you put the same clothes on Hugh Jackman in Prisoners, he looks more like Joel than Pedro. You're yeah, not yeah, wrong. Right there. You're not wrong, but you think they're going to afford, uh, HBO's going to afford Hugh Jackman? Yeah, and they're affording. Dude, they're affording no. Pedro Pascal. That's Absolutely, two, that's they two can. massive big differences. Pedro Pascal no. was up and coming up until about a year ago, and then he's kind of blown up. Either way, we're, my we're point talking is about that the I, same network that did Game of Thrones. They'll be. They have the money. That is true. Game of Thrones made celebrities. Name one. Name actually. Name three celebrities in Game of Thrones that were A list celebrities before the Game of Thrones. Yeah, about to say because it wasn't Sean Bean. <laughs> Yeah, 
you could you could almost say Sean Bean. He was not an A list celebrity. I am I sorry. I said you could almost he'd be Sean Bean. Is he B. was he in is Lord of the Rings. It doesn't matter. Yeah, as a as a character, I, I don't. I'm, you know what? I, I'm over here talking, worried about spoiling Lord of the Rings. I, I watched the first one. I ain't watching the rest of them. But I watched the you first should. one. Whoa, 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 whoa! No, nah, I got no. He watched. He watched long. the. He watched the extended edition first. Which oh yeah, was the well, wrong why would you move. do that? Wrong move. Because I'm not going to sit editions. and watch those wrong again. Wrong move. Either way, watch I just don't. The theater version. I don't have an issue with the characters not looking like their actors because, again, I was a huge proponent of Bill Hader as Joel. So, I I, I also think that could have worked in a very interesting way. But he's going to be David. That's my call. I kind of hope. Is he? Has he been I confirmed do. that he's part of production? I don't think. No, no I, I he just anything. he just oh, works okay. with HBO, and I wanted him as Joel. I mean, really HBO bad. did Barry, right? Or is Barry's that Showtime? Yeah, that's what Barry. Okay. Is. I, think, I, I think Barry Showtime now, though, isn't it? Or is it still HBO? I think it's still I HBO. Not sure. Anyways, either way, next thing up as kind of an interesting thing for all of this rumored state of play for February, which has been rumored for a long time. But when you think about all the news that seems to be tipping right now, Last of Us, Twisted Metal, backwards compatibility, Spartacus, it all, makes sense. all of that makes sense for a huge PS Plus or uh, state of play dump next month. I think Tom Henderson, who also was the was the person, one of the main people behind the rumor of Last of Us, was behind this one too. Mm-hmm. And Tom Henderson is one of the very few people I trust with rumors. Very few. Yeah. It's like, honestly, that's, that, that's, he's one of the only ones. So we'll see. But here's the thing. There's so much stuff coming out in February. Do you think they try and front load or after load? No, the no, no, no. It'd be, it'd be uh, let's see. What is the second Tuesday? Or what is the first Tuesday in February? So you're, you're thinking, Windows. You're thinking you two weeks from now, right? Yeah. Well, if you click the arrow, Saul. Oh, I did, it'd, be Tuesday, <laughs> it'd be February the 1st, 2-1. Two one twenty two eight two. We'll see what ends up happening, uh, guys. What if they chose to do it on two two twenty two? That could be the, that could, that's, that's Wednesday. It's why couldn't the universe follow this in order and make it Tuesday <laughs> for two two twenty twenty two? It could have been Tuesday instead. But the universe just Wednesday. didn't want to work that way. Darn. Anyway, a couple more things and we're going to go off. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sony is pushing production of about a million more PS4s into, uh, are pushing about a million more PS4s into production to try and help uh, with PS5 shortages, which I think is an interesting thing because clearly us being on the edge of of you know what we're doing and buying consoles and stuff, I feel like how does more PS4s help for people who want PS5s? But Doesn't. my assumption here is that it's really not about the consumer. It's about Sony having shortages for PS5s hitting their units sold is hitting them hard. So they go, well, PS4s are a lot easier to manufacture and use older chips. And let's just sell more of those. Let's make more of those so that we can hopefully sell that a million. And the million that we'll take from not selling on PS5s will make back up on the back of PS4. I think that's really the way to take this news. Because mm-hmm. I see no reason as to how someone would look and be like PS5 for 400 or $500 if I can find one or PS3 for $300. I'd feel very differently if they were like, hey, to help, we're, we're making more games cross-play and we're going to lower the price of the PS4 down to 250 or 200 But I don't see how anybody would look at $300 PS4 and think, I could spend $100 more for a digital PS5. That would make way more sense to buy. Yeah. I think the weird part about this is they're not doing PS4 Pros. Well, yeah, they've completely stopped making them, and that so you're seems getting like you would, the weakest you would think, possible system to play Horizon on. Like, why would you do that? 
that's that's why I don't think it's for consumers. I think it's just to make up back end money they're losing by not being able to. Well, they believe in hit. generations, right, fellas? <laughs> oh, Jimmy boy! <laughs> Jimmy, One, Jimmy, son. Jimmy. All right, let's see. Uh, speaking of Horizon, Horizon Forbidden West PS4 version leaks, and I don't, don't, don't. Whatever you do, don't. I, I, I don't know what it is. No, no. Literally, all I saw was because it's when I learned this, I saw one screenshot, and I said, "That's not Zero Dawn." Yeah. <laughs> and then I saw Russian text, and I said, "Oh." Uh, uh, apparently, there's a screenshot that has a pretty like cool enemy in it. I guess they're like this. This reveals too much about the enemies. I didn't see that. All I said. saw was. Uh, um, and I fauna, said, nope. I, scro- like I scrolled past it. With, yeah. with Aloy in it. And that was enough to make me be like, this was definitely not Zero Dawn. The only thing I'll say, because I quit looking after that, I was like, no, I'm going away and I've not been on Twitter much since, is that that was supposedly the stock PS4 version. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it was PS4 Pro, but it looked surprisingly good. Yeah, I read it was for it to be a PS4, PS4 version. So, we'll look at the last of But the PS3. bigger concern there, right, is... Be careful and be mindful of spoilers if you're worried about that. Um, I'm not surprised. I mean, dude, Death Stranding looks so good on PS4 Pro, and I can only imagine it looked pretty good. <laughs> what? <laughs> did the other guy win? Uh, I would. <laughs> <laughs> he did. Oh, my gosh. Oh, what a video. Sorry. Anybody I look who- over and Saul's laptop's got a car driving, and then another car jumps and lands on top of it, and its nose is sticking just barely past the other. The I guy keeps driving, I, I goes think, through the finish line, and the car on top is first. because I think this is Forza Horizon 5. It might be Forza Horizon 4 or whatever the newest one is. It might be the old one. I don't know. I just retweeted it for those that are curious. Go follow us on Twitter at Triangle SQRD to see. There you go. You can see all these great things and all these Spider-Man No Way Home uh, video game tweets yeah, that have been going on. Oh, they're so good. Uh, so, the I guess the last thing to really talk about here is Days Gone sales controversy and Ghost of Tsushima hitting 8 million, which are kind of tied together, right? Ghost of Tsushima hit 8 million units sold. And then Days Gone... Uh, kind of got into this weird limelight because of the fact that uh, one of the directors, Jason Ross, um, Jeff Ross, not Jason, sorry. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, Jeff Ross had uh, tweeted. Uh, I want to say he tweeted a pretty small thing that I feel like blew up. I'm not going to say he didn't have any intent behind it, but what he tweeted was essentially we were always made to believe that Days Gone was not a success or not successful enough uh, by local management. And a lot of people took that as Sony, but he specified that that wasn't necessarily Sony. That was really genuinely Bend Studios, studio management. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that from what he knew of sales... Oh, no. I didn't shut the door. There's a a wild cat in here. Podcast. Um, Podcast kitty. What's up, Tabby? Hold up. Podcat. Podcat. Here she is. Tabitha, make your meow. Go in. Anyway, the uh, thing that was said, she's not going to come to you, Saul. I just want you to know. You're going to come and pick her up. No, she won't. I promise you. Yeah. Okay. I got to say, I was wrong. My cat went straight to this man. (laughs) <laughs> and then went out of the door like I understood exactly what you wanted. All right. <laughs> yeah. Good for your wife. That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> what? Huh? What? Good for your wife. Oh yeah. Um. So, hey, little mama, let me whisper in your ear. <laughs> God, the yin yang twins. <laughs> um. 
anyway, the he said, you know, that they were made to f- believe that it was a thing, but from what he under from what he had seen, the sales were uh, uh, over eight million when he left, and then it's gone on to sell a million to two million, maybe more on Steam. Um, and that, of course, ignited this thing, which I I agree in the sense of I am one of the people who lament the loss of a of a day's gone too, <laughs> and it blew into a huh. Nobody more than your boy. <laughs> yeah. So in that sense, um, you know, it blew into this big thing and there's been a lot of controversy around it and what makes a game successful. Um, the, the big takeaway I've seen around this realistically is this idea, whether it's true or not, no, no, none of us will know, but this idea among the command, the, the community, the fan bases for each system that if Jeff Ross had went and made days gone under Xbox, that he would already be making Days Gone too, which I, I actually wholeheartedly believe. I, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure Xbox would be ecstatic to have a game hit eight million sales, and I'm not even trying well, to hit them wrong or anything. So that's that's and that's massive. <laughs> there's controversy there though that they didn't really sell eight million. So there's a couple of things that I saw. Now this is I, I was following this like last weekend when I did not feel good. Sure, I I essentially remember that he was like. This is quoting, but he was being a big baby over it. Now, I didn't really see any context other than he said the eight million was from the amount of trophies popped, and people pointed out like this game's been free on PS Plus. Okay, so th- this is a big important piece of data here, yeah, and that's why uh, he went on to um, David Jaffe's stream, him and uh, oh, of course, John Garvin, of course both of the directors, and he stayed. He only left uh, last December, twenty twenty of right. December. So what he said is that. Um, it was he left before the game hit PS Plus. The game did not hit PS Plus until PS Plus Collection for PS Five. So the numbers that he saw and what he he expanded on what that actually meant is that yes, there was a site that he used to go to that showed trophy ping data, but he also had some internal numbers and in that the internal numbers were only about five hundred thousand off, pretty consistently of uh, the trophy. Which I numbers. think I so think he said ended up being he, wrong too. I don't. I haven't heard anything about that. That's just the last I've specifically seen on it. No. Um, and he said it, it's not a one for one, but he feels it's close enough that his point still goes across. Because he said even if it means it was really seven million sales, it wasn't being talked about by Sony. They weren't announcing sales in the same way. Um, which kind of leads to a different conversation too. I don't want to stay on too long because I know we. Still oh, he said nine stuff. million copies. Well, he said eight million when he left, and then he knows that it's gone on to sell roughly another million on Steam. Yeah, which is nine—a total of nine. Um, all that to say, there's a couple of things that are interesting here because Sony have never come out outside of that first weekend and talked about the Last of Us Two sales. Does that mean that the Last of Us Two didn't sell very well? But they don't care and are going to let Naughty Dog do what they want because the game was critically very strong for them and won them a bunch of awards. Even though it also made it took forever to make. You know, you have this interesting thing going back and forth of what is Sony's view of success and why is there not a Days Gone Two? Is it specifically because the game didn't sell well enough? Is it because it sold well enough, but the controversy around the game at launch was bad enough and the Metacritic being in the 70s is not high enough for what they want to view being a secondary go around? There's a lot of question around that and what it means to be successful as a first-party title right now. 
he's using okay so apparently he's using data from a now defunct this mm-hmm. is on Game Informer website named GameStat and he said that exactly on the on the show he said that they they closed down since uh, in the middle of 2021 and but then he says he quote where I got my data from I had access to a lot of uh, telemetry I could see stuff where we were at five million copies when we were announced at five million copies uh, the data was at five point eight million. So eight hundred thousand miles. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they were basically resales or shared disk. I was actually using an external website. I think they're offline now, but we we're using trophy data and it lined up with our internal data. So it's like good enough. Uh, end quote. Yeah, which I do think is a fair thing for him to say. Even if even if you want to say a million of those are off or two million off, you're looking at a game that sold six seven million. Yeah. Um, Why did he bring up uh, Ghost of Tsushima though? The only reason it was there is because Sony were congratulating uh, Ghost of Tsushima selling eight million. And and all he said was, great for them, basically. But it's it's unfortunate that we had similar numbers, but we didn't get the same treatment. Did they not get the same treatment? Like no, Days Gone no, sales were getting a sequel. About. <laughs> and they're not getting a is sequel. Ghost get, has Ghost been confirmed to get a sequel? Well, it's getting a oh, TV yeah. show. Ghost, so Ghost is movie, also getting so a TV show. Definitely getting. Or a, yeah, a movie. Not well, a I mean, you already have like. To be fair, I'll say Days Gone as a TV show is like. <laughs> Uh, Walking Dead and Sons of Anarchy, like we're kind of mm-hmm. like I think that kind of stuff is we're a little too crowded with. Yeah, I don't. I'm not saying Days Gone is just a TV show. Uh, not a lot. No, I'm, no, I'm just saying. <laughs> but the expectation shouldn't. be But there. also, I, like I was saying, Sony hasn't talked about its sales. But that's why I think you could look at The Last of Us Two as an interesting standpoint because all we, the only sales we've ever heard from The Last of Us Two is that the first month or first weekend or whatever it was, it hit four million sales, and Sony has been dead quiet on it since. Why is that? Is because all the controversy did make it sell less, but Sony's still happy because it was, uh, you know, so many tens out of tens that it's basically one of their highest scoring games on Metacritic. Is that why they don't care? And also Naughty Dog is a big studio for them that has a lot of uh, cachet in the industry. Like, you know, what is it as to making it through? Is the answer, is the answer something as simple as the days gone two pitch sucked? Because Sony and he clarified, Sony's not the one who denied the days gone two pitch. Yeah, it was a studio heads. Ben Studio didn't. Ben Studio were iffy on it, and it went. He said it went maybe one layer above them, but never went further. Oh, uh, apparently PlayStation has revealed sales numbers for this game before. That's where the backlash is coming from. Him saying that we never got the same treatment when they did. I guess I don't know. <laughs> well, no, I mean he. All he's saying is that here's congrats eight million, but there wasn't congrats eight million for Days Gone. From what he, from what well, positing, he, I don't know if that's actually true. I, yeah, I, 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 but I don't. I've never seen it, and I scour the news every week for this show. So true. Apparently, it happened in 2019, though. Is is what Game Informer uh, re-upped with? Oh yeah, it was the best-selling PS4 exclusive. Is that a Benji sales thing? Yeah. No, that's that's not the same thing. I'm just clicking. I was just looking at that, what that was. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, but honestly, like. Didn't who was it? Who was it that was talking out against Sony not too long ago from them? Was it was it him or was it somebody else about not getting the like about not getting sequels? Because that might have tarnished your reputation there. I mean, he was, was already gone and Ross. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, even yeah. then, on both of those occasions, they've been on Jaffe's scenes twice, and I've watched both of them. And the entire and time, that, they're that, talking highly of Sony. They're like, I would have not had the career I had it, if it wasn't for Sony. Yeah, it isn't David Jaffe like blacklisted from Sony though. No, or like. He's blacklisted from somebody, from what I've heard. I don't know. I mean, like he's, I forget what it is, but he was really negative about it. Or maybe it's that studios don't want to be involved with him. I don't know. To be fair, I don't watch Jaffe like stupid consistently, but when he has interesting guests on, I absolutely watch. 
It's more likely that Jaffe made Twisted Metal and God of War, and then all the rest of the games he's made are garbage. So people don't see him as a valuable person in the industry. That's all. I, I like David Jaffe. I just don't like the rest of his games. So I like David Whatever. Jaffe, man. I, I always enjoy watching his streams. I just don't consistently watch them. Yeah. <laughs> That's a completely different conversation. Uh, but yeah, it's just been an interesting thing. Um, apparently, there was also some interesting talk about CD Projekt Red, and someone said that they confirmed that CD Projekt Red approached Sony after they uh, turned down uh, Days Gone 2. CD Projekt Red approached Sony for the rights, and the Sony said they weren't interested in selling. Yeah. That would have been... I want to say that would be sick, but it's CD Projekt Red, so who knows? It, it, it would have been wild. Yes. <laughs> That's the right statement. You don't know if it's going to be good, bad, a mess, but uh, clearly CD Projekt Red saw that it's it's success. Uh, and what probably they saw realistically is how much fanfare there is around this game. Uh, I think that's the biggest thing I can say about Days Gone is that the conversation around Days Gone has never ended. For a game that seemingly was supposed to come out and be middling and stuff, people talk about that game constantly. And seems to have garnered quite the thing. I wonder what the player base is now that if it was already roughly in the six to eight million, let's just put it in that two million. If it was already roughly six to eight million, we know Steam's a million more. How many more people came in to play it and loved it from PS Plus collection? That's a great question. Um, yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of people there that did. Probably never know. But I think that this is time to finally discuss our game of the year. To discuss our game of the year. But you know what? <coughs> I also want to discuss our new patron that Saul mentioned earlier, the Lord Corky. Yeah. And our one before that, our new patron, Salvador Garcia. You guys are awesome. And guess what? If you listen to this show and you think, man, I really like listening to this show every week. How could I help them? You can help us by just listening and sharing it with as many friends as you want. But you can also help us by going over to patreon.com slash nartech and considering giving as little as a dollar per month. Everything that you guys give, which so many of you do, helps us keep this show going without having to dig in our own pockets, and we appreciate it. But without further ado, it's time to talk about some games. Uh, the conversation that we were having before this episode is that we realized that this was a very odd year for gaming. I don't want to say bad. It's just an odd year for gaming that doesn't have as immediately strong titles as other years have called forward. And with that, it's going to be an... It's going to be a weird conversation, but still interesting around a lot of the games that did actually release last year in 2021. Um, Chris, yes, you are new to the show. I am new in to the terms show. of this is your this is your first year getting to do this. I'm going to let you spearhead the talk around <clears throat> not game of the year, favorite games released in 2021, <laughs> as we are now referring to it as, which I think is also interesting because it it really opens the door for games that normally people wouldn't want to consider because they released before. So, Chris, go ahead mm -hmm. and tell us about your enjoyment of Death Stranding, please. Uh, I mean, I love Death Stranding. Do you want... I, I made a list. I know you two didn't. Do you want me to just read my list? Like, how do you want to go about this? Yeah, you can You can go through your list. Whatever uh, way why, you want to see it, yeah. Yeah, why you thought it was... You can do... Uh, what games are on there, like why you thought they're on there, and yeah. stuff like that. And they don't, get to your final us. one. You didn't have to think about it too hard. <laughs> well, I guess I should preface with... I know Brett said that he didn't want to say it's a bad year. I would say it was a pretty bad year for video games this year. <laughs> I don't think there was very much that I think was top tier. Okay, and, well, let's hold on, Chris, because you know just as well as I do. Mm -hmm. How many games that were nominated for awards of any time, of any type, did you actually play? 
the vast majority I know, of them. <laughs> I, I know looking at no, dude, there's what I'm saying is that there are games, multiple games that got award nominations that I know neither of us played. I played Psychonauts. The only one in that thing I think I didn't put any time into was It Takes Two. And did you play Metroid Dread? Have you played it now, I guess? I have not played Metroid Dread, but I wouldn't even say Mm -hmm. Metroid Dread is bad. I would say Metroid Dread, had I played it, would have been on my list. Whether that's a matter of the year is not good or or the game is good is another thing. Or the game's great. But I think the fact that the number nine game on my game of the year list is MLB 21 The Show speaks what? volumes to the fact that the there wasn't too much uh, to come out this year that I found particularly you're gonna compelling. Sit, you're going to sit here and undersell me and tell me that every year you don't just sit there and play the hell out of MLB The Show because I know you do, Chris. I do, but this is the only year I would put it on my Game of the Year list. Interesting. I play that game probably 100 hours a year, and this is the only year that I personally would have said my number nine game of the year is MLB The Show, which I guess my number 10 is Pokemon Shining Pearl. And the only reason that's so low is because, A, I love Pokemon, but I haven't played enough to really put it any higher. But I do yeah, know I that figured. I love it. So. Yeah, I figured. I um, had to. Well, I can tell you on my games of the uh, on my games that released in this year that I don't care about because I just stopped playing them, Pokemon's on that list. <laughs> <laughs> Let this man get through with his list. So, I'll just fucking I'll just read Go my ahead, list Chris. and then we can talk. So my number ten game was Pokemon Shining Pearl. Number nine, mm-hmm. LB twenty one the show. Eight was Death's Door. Number seven was Fabroxia Two. Number six, Inscription. Number five, Resident Evil Eight. Number four, Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Number three, Death Stranding Director's Cut. Number two, Halo Infinite. And the best game of the my favorite game of the year for 2021 was Hitman 3. There you go. Were you able to solidify that when you went back for Platinum? Oh, yeah. It would have been Halo Infinite if I hadn't gone back for Platinum. So, Yeah, I felt like leading up to this episode, I was like, he's going to be Halo. And then suddenly it was like, Hitman. (laughs) Yeah, no, Hitman... Hitman is so good. Hitman is so okay. good that I did my my ritual of I got the platinum and immediately deleted it, and then I I'm about to reinstall it so I can keep playing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny you had that conversation with me whenever I did Death Loop. You were like, you saw that I reinstalled it. And you were like, are you already going back for sex? <laughs> I actually wasn't. I was just no. helping, or I was going to help uh, Liam, and then he ended up getting the trophy without me because. Um, oh, nice. Something completely different. But um, so, what I'd like, yes, if you're willing, sure, I want to I want to go to your top three, okay, and I want you to kind of, if you're willing, to talk about why each of those three games hit the spot for you. We know the rest are like your your honorable mentions, but those three games, why did they hit your list where they did in a year that arguably you don't think was very strong for gaming? I would. I what would made these games say the strongest? It, if we're going to say honorable mentions, it would be 9 and 10. I think the rest of them all have valid placement. You know, okay. They might not have been there in another year, like 2019 or something like that, but even 16. Sure. But I mean, like, like I just said with Hitman 3, I think it's the most, one of the most engaging games I've played in a long time. It's like, how can I do this? What happens if I shoot these birds? Oh, it starts an entire other mission of this game. You know what I mean? Um, I think just the ways that you can do so much wild stuff in Hitman 3, 
like I don't know if either of you have seen uh, Knives Out, but there's an entire mission that is just Knives Out, where you play Daniel Craig's character. Like I have 100% not seen Knives Out, but I've heard great things. That's a fantastic great. Movie. I've actually never seen the movie either, but I know for a fact that the whole thing is uh, basically <laughs> I've never that. Seen the movie, but it's exactly it <laughs> to well, the it, T. It is. It's a murder mystery that takes place in this one house that you have to go through and investigate. It's Daniel Craig's character from that movie. Um, in Hitman, you're you're not murdering someone. Instead, you're trying to figure out who murdered someone. Yes. What a turn of events in Hitman. Well, you figure it out so that you can set up a murder of someone. <laughs> to, to, to kill the person who did it? Yes. All right. Um, so, we're, so Dexter, basically, right? We don't want to kill the wrong person. We only want to kill the person that we know killed. Yeah, pretty much. You have to be sure. <laughs> well, it puts, sure. It, it puts you right in the Daniel right Craig's spot code. to kill the target. Um, sure. But yeah, I just think it, I think everyone should play Hitman. Like all the reasons that you love Deathloop are the reasons I like Hitman, except I think it's more fun in Hitman than it is in Deathloop. Um, so yeah, that's really it. all I can really say about Hitman is that it is gameplay 100% of the time. And excellent gameplay for hey, I'm gonna tell you right now. The uh, I thought like it's over here trying to tell me all this story, and I was like, I don't give a shit about what's happening. It was like, hey, here's this yeah. friend that you met at one point in time, and coming back, and I know that I'm two games removed, Yo, but I have thing. not cared. I have not cared about a single thing happening. I just want to kill the guy and kick him off the building. Yeah, I'll, I'll I go like- back to that game. I will go back to that <laughs> game. I just I'm not exactly sure when, but I have not deleted it. It's a, it is a near perfect game to me. Though I will say, if if it's coming to PC, I might as well just stop playing it on PlayStation. And just wait for it to come on PC. You have Play it, it for VR. free on PlayStation. You'd have to pay is, whatever. That's on a good point. PC, that's so. a good, but um, a good point. But I don't have I don't have tip top VR on on PS PS five. So not uh, yet. No, not yet. Um, All right, Halo Infinite. I don't even know what to say about Halo Infinite because I don't like the campaign, but the multiplayer <laughs> is so much fun. That explain I'm to me, actually, explain why you don't like the campaign, but why the multiplayer is so fun that that it overcomes what you hate about this campaign. I don't know. I just don't like the open world. It's like you said, it's boring. I think I would. Say <laughs> Blake a, is like throwing his phone on the concrete right now. Blake can do whatever he wants. He's an Xbox. Leaving player. the Discord again. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I think leaving that, our personal Discord. <laughs> no, well, that'll happen soon. No, I'm just kidding. I love you, Blake. Don't leave. <laughs> Get your Stardew Valley 1,000 out of a thousand. Xbox little bitch. Um, no, I just I don't think the campaign did much for me because I think the thing that I like about Halo and I really liked about the beginning of the campaign was how funny Master Chief was. And I think the biggest issue I had was playing through that campaign, you don't get a lot of Master Chief just talking. You get a lot of like, oh, the Cortana clone is chirping in my ear, but nothing's really happening. And then you go to these FOBs and you kill a bunch of monsters and then it's kind of over. I don't know. I liked it for a bit and then I just didn't want to do it anymore. But the multiplayer yeah. is so good that I spent $600 upgrading my PC so it ran better. So I could play more Halo multiplayer. So, I, Dude, I had a blast. Uh, I played yesterday. I, my battle pass is 100. I have no reason to play. The weekly yeah. rewards are terrible and they keep using sacrifice like I'm going to care to get the same <laughs> sticker to use on something different for the third time. 
But guess what? I still had a great time playing. Yeah, <laughs> and I have my Halo Infinite Iron Man colors, so it all works out for me. Yeah, but so it's, it's just very engaging multiplayer, and that's what I like yeah. about it. Yeah, awesome, man. Uh, okay, last but certainly not least, Death Stranding, Director Scott. Oh God, I don't even know what to say about this game. The story is batshit or bat crap. <laughs> sorry. Um, that's out the window here. If they're still listening this many hours in, I hope your kids aren't listening. <laughs> I hope you don't. I mean, Put I'm not saying we're going to cuss like to crazy, bed. but we've said enough. Um, yeah, the story is absolutely insane. I think the gameplay is. <sighs> it's boring, but in a really good way. Does that make any sense? <laughs> uh, it's relaxing. Yeah. Like, yeah, I would play that game to just chill. And even in some of the harder parts where like you're going up the mountain in the snow and I think the music just works so well. Like when you come up over the mountain and some of those songs just play like there's that part in the end when you go around to the other area and you're going over the snow and just trudging through and the, the music starts going. Brilliant. Just perfect. And I don't know. I, I've never played a game for so long that I really kind of feel like I didn't do anything and enjoyed every moment of it. Yeah. The craziest thing was your experience. And I, it's not the way I play games. And I know that I get really focused yeah. and I'm like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this, mm-hmm. uh, which I guess is exactly what happened with you. You just got focused on the oddest thing of, I will do everything except for this. <laughs> yeah, I did. Because you were like, I'm like 70 hours in and I'm still in chapter four or something. It was like, <laughs> yep, what? <yep>. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just, that's all I did was I would just go to places get a delivery. I wouldn't, I was not efficient whatsoever. It was the least efficient thing I've ever done in my life. Cause I would get like one delivery and it would be like, okay, you have to go across the map. I could have gotten four or five deliveries and dropped them off here, here and here, but I chose not to do that. I would go to the one delivery all the way across. I would walk or take a car and then I would go back and I would just do it like that. Eventually, as I started pushing towards the platinum, which I still have not gotten, I started utilizing zip lines and being like, okay, there's 18 different things I can go to on my way. And I would actually plot it out. But for the first like 50, 60 hours of this game, I was just like, I'm just a delivery man, dude. What? Got, yeah, I, I got your Amazon so order. I'm coming for it. I can't remember your exact words, but I, it was so close to. Dude, these uh, these exoskeleton legs are sweet, and I was like, "You've been playing for like thirty hours, and you're just now getting to this point." <laughs> yeah, I was like, "This is something that most people are messing with like four hours into the game, and here you are, just like, oh, dude, these are pretty sweet." Yeah, <laughs> this cart, this cart's pretty cool. Sixty well, hours in, <laughs> there was a lot of stuff that I just never used because I would do things like I would take the bike or the truck, really the truck because mm-hmm. the truck was better. And I would just fill it with stuff, and then I'd drive across the map. I didn't do any of the story. I didn't care. I cared about the story because the story was ridiculous and didn't make any sense, but also made complete sense. <laughs> and But like, I, it was just more fun for me to come home after a long day. This is when I smoked weed, so I would get really stoned, and I would just drop off packages. Just play Amazon Delivery Boy, and that's what I was. Maybe you've yeah. learned something. Maybe your ideal job is to just smoke and be an Amazon delivery driver. I feel like just that's get a super lot high and then spend, <laughs> spend your whole day ideal dropping job. off packages. I will say... Environment's not near as pretty as in Destiny. No, it's that, not. You know? 
the story does kind of fall apart. Not fall apart at the end, but I think the gameplay at the end of the game sucks. Like, when you turn blue <clears throat> and you just have to walk around for a set amount of time before it moves on, I thought that was terrible. But... I it's weird. I don't I don't hate what's happening in that part of the story, but it's no, like why neither. did you make me play this? Exactly. It should have been a cutscene. Yeah. I get what they're trying to do, right? Make you feel, you know, stressed and tense because you're like, what do I do? I, you know, I'm just running around this empty thing. I feel stuck here. And it, did I mess something up? And you're going to have, you get like this with anxiety. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's, a, I don't, I think, I know what they wanted to do. I don't think it quite hits as hard as they no, thought it was going to so. hit. And that's, it's, that's about one of the only real complaints I had with the game yeah. is that you're just there and it's like, okay. You didn't doing this didn't really change the experience for me at all. No, it if, has, if anything, it, it made it worse. Yeah, right. It, that game has some of the best acting, some of the best voice work, some of the best characters I've seen in games. But I don't know that a lot of it works a hundred percent of the time. Like Amelie, yeah, and the mom. It makes sense, but it doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? It's weird, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. but I loved it. I loved every moment of it. I find it so weird that a game with some of the most weird character names ever has got some of the best characters I've ever seen in gaming. Oh yeah, it's like, like here. Let me, let me call this. Let me call this person exactly what they are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Heart attack boy. <laughs> I'm glad I made your list. Yeah. All right, Saul. Go no, ahead. You, you're you're next. Oh, I'm next. Oh, yes. Saul. Saul's gonna round the the list out. Okay. There we go. Y'all ready for it? Sure. I'm gonna knock out special mentions. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm almost second guessing myself here, but I can't, can't do it. Also, Chris. Yes. Yes. Gar- Guardians didn't hit your list at all. <laughs> I totally forgot I played that game. <laughs> oh, well then, yeah, that doesn't, that means it's not on your list. Yeah. <laughs> if it didn't leave that big of an impression list. on you. That's, I love that's, um, that's amazing. Cause the entire time Chris was playing it and then platinum, he's like, this is definitely game of the year. I, I bought it, but I haven't played it. I would and put it in. In retrospect, rule. I would put it on my list, but when I, I went through a Wikipedia article to kind of get all the 2021 things, and it wasn't on that list. So <laughs> that's why I missed it. Interesting. Ooh. Honorable mention, right. Guardians of the Galaxy. You deserve to be on my list, but I forgot you existed, so you don't deserve to be on my list. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so my special mentions... And I'm gonna, but, but, I mean, you know what? My special mentions are Bio Mutant, Kina, Ratchet, and Demon Souls. Um, Demon Souls primarily because I almost want to put it on the list, but it really wasn't 2021. It's but that it weird didn't get any, yeah, it didn't get any recognition in 2020. Yeah. So I feel bad, and I don't really know what to do. So I know it technically wasn't a game released in 2021, but deal with it. All right, so. Uh, Biomutant was just a, a really interesting game that did so many things not great, but then so many other things really charmful. Uh, Halo clearly is, I've been playing it so much, and I think it's brought me back around to this idea of social gaming, and that's important because for a long time, I think Destiny had disenfranchised me with that because it's kind of, you rely on other people so much, and the game got so grindy and loopy. And I think it's gotten a lot better, but um it's brought me back around to it for the stint. So that's important. I thought Kenna was a good game and uh, I think a great, really excellent first title, but it didn't have the impact on me of these other three games. So my actual list, and it's a lot smaller and simpler, uh, three for me is Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, I thought that game was impeccably well written. Um, 
thought the gameplay wasn't as good as literally everything else, but you get over it, and it was it wasn't bad enough for it to really matter in any sizable way. But I think the characters, character interactions, the kind of Mass Effect way that your decisions slowly made made changes to the story over time that could come back. Um, were really interesting. I thought the characters and how they chose to utilize them were a lot better than I would have anticipated. I remember groaning at Guardians of the Galaxy when they announced it because it just felt like, of course, here we are, Square Enix making another one and not learning anything, and we couldn't have been more wrong because it was the antithesis of Marvel's Avengers. Um, And I think it did all the things that people wanted from Marvel's Avengers, which is actually looking at the characters and doing something unique with them and not just putting Mm -hmm. them in missions that you run through and do nothing (laughs) realistically. Um, So I think that there's something to be said about the way they played off all the characters um, in such a way that they stuck with me and that a lot of the exploration and character moments, it felt like this weird mix between a Telltale game and a Mass Effect game. And let's see, moving on from Guardians of the Galaxy, I have Doki Doki Literature Club. I talked about that more recently. I just think that that was a pure example of interesting storytelling from the means of being interactive because I think that if you tried making that a short story or an animated thing, it didn't have the same impact because it was about these choices that you were making and how it made the other uh, girls act crazy and then how it all led up to this weird computer program and this idea of what's going on. It's. I almost want to cut what I just said because I think it's so... It's like I don't want to ruin the experience for anybody, but the game is so amazing in the way that it completely betrays your expectation in a way that makes you like the game more. That's the best I can say about it. I think Doki Doki is one of the best games I've played probably of all time, and it's just a short, simple experience that you can knock out. Um, and I think it's a lot like when people were talking about Gone Home, this game that really can be beaten in like 14 minutes, but has a big impact on you if you play it. If you play it the normal way, it's only like an hour or two anyway. But I think that kind of thing is going on here where you're seeing the medium be used in a different way that thankfully hasn't really been just like jumped on and repeated so many times that it's washed this out. Um, so that this is a game that originally came out in like 2017, and here it is coming on PS5 in 2021 and still having an impact on people who are playing it. I think that speaks to the fact that it's unique and hasn't really been copied. Uh, last, but certainly not least, is Deathloop for me. And I know this is a controversial game. This is one of the ones I was talking about where um, this felt like a moment where a lot of gaming journalists gave this game 10 out of 10s and then a lot of people played it. And then, I will not say a lot, but a, a, a sizable portion of the player base played it and said, you know, even if it's good, we don't quite agree with that. Um, but, you know, it depends on what you're looking for in a game. I think that a lot of the times the games that I give my game of the year aren't games that I consider to be flawless. I don't think this is a flawless game. I think there's things about it that could be changed. Um, number one being that I don't think the AI is the smartest. I don't think it's bad. And I think that depending on how you play, it's interesting and makes the game more difficult. So it's doing its job as AI in the sense of it's acting antagonistically against you. Um But the real thing that I kind of want to get here is that a lot of people talk about the AI and the difficulty of the game, but then people talk about this idea of uh, Juliana. And, you know, I think the biggest mistake this game made is this idea where you have invasion, but the game did not want to make the hard decision that I think they needed to make to where you can't turn that off. I think it needed to be like Dark Souls, where if you're playing and you're playing online, when you get invaded, it will be a real person. Yeah. Uh, I don't think the game needed to make it easy for you to get off and and be able to just avoid it completely because it led to 
where it would take a long time for people to matchmake if you wanted to play as Juliana, which I thought was a really fun aspect of the game, uh, where you could protect the loop. It took forever to matchmake because everybody was going and turning it off to where they were only facing AI versions of Juliana. And we've already talked about the AI not being as good, but also the, the AI doesn't have the power set you do. So the Juliana AI is better but there's something about this game where when you really do have this thing of like the challenge comes from playing against this other person and some of my favorite parts of the whole game that aren't even necessarily tied into the story in the game are these moments where juliana is on the hunt and because of the fact that so many people turned it off and matchmaking would happen almost every time you go into a, a map if you left it on immediately she'd be on the hunt because the game's constantly looking for somebody who hasn't opened. So right. it's like, oh, finally, it's open. We're going to throw you in. But it did kind of have this interesting effect where you can only get hunted once per game. And I would spend the like, it, however long it took for me to not die. I only died twice. And I played the entire game, never with AI. Um, <clears throat> it was just fun hide and seek and figure out what the other person's trying to do. And the way I built my character up, I thought was fun. And it wasn't something where it was over immediately because it was like this trade-off. I would use the cloak thing where you could be still, and I had it. Uh, I had that slab upgraded to where if I didn't move, it didn't concern, it didn't use any energy, so I could be essentially invisible forever if I didn't if I didn't move. Hmm. And I would pull out the sniper, and I knew where she's supposed to come out at. So I'd get up in this advantageous place, and I'd go and I'd look, and if I didn't see them, I'd try and work my way without dropping invisibility closer to them, hide somewhere where I knew they shouldn't be able to see me, uncloak, let my energy recharge, and kind of continue this back and forth game. And I would boost up to places using the little reach um, slab. And I would play this back and forth tons, and I love that because it's like the it, it was the ultimate use your brain to get over this other person who you know has potentially the exact same power set as you. Maybe they're hiding. Maybe they're invisible. Maybe they're looking for me to slip up. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're trying to throw on this thing that just makes you a monster. Or if you get near to me, you can just rip me up almost immediately. Yeah. Maybe you're doing something completely different. Maybe you're jumping around with Blink a whole lot. And I think that back and forth was so fun. And I think it's so it's so important to the way the game plays that I can't believe a developer was like, yeah, let's 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 aim for making a game easier for everyone to enjoy by making the way you can turn it off. It completely ruins the experience. And I think it breaks the importance of this Juliana, not wanting you to get out of the loop because of something and you work towards figuring out what that something is. But then much like Chris talked about this other thing of using time in a way where this isn't as much of an immersive sim as like a dishonored or uh, like a prey is. I think it's a little different because it's broken up into sections, but I think seeing the way these stories go and letting you go through and, and make these decisions and, Having to pull out a, and I did this in Hitman too, Chris. So I'll give you this is one of my favorite things. Um, mm-hmm. Walking around and having this feeling of like there's a number on a whiteboard that might be important. So you take a piece of paper out and you scribble this number down and you put a question mark beside it and you code and you try to figure out what you think it might be for. You hear somebody say a code and you're like, what is that for? You read a piece of paper that's like, oh, there's a hidden door over here that only security has access to. So you write down all these codes I and love phrases. Like that. Yeah. And there's something that's so fun about that. I think one thing that I think Deathloop's already amazing the way it is. I think the only thing that would have made it better is if they would have had if they would have made a mode or been ballsy enough to make a game. And I know this is really ballsy and hard to put out on the market. I will agree that Deathloop could have been even crazier as a title that you 
the game, you can't choose what you're doing and it point you to it. Now, you still have to figure things out and learn stuff, but it kind of points you to what you need to be doing throughout the game. Uh, you don't have to do it that way, but it will if you wanted to. Um, I think it would have been really ballsy for them to have made this entire game to where everything still happens the exact way it does, but the game doesn't tell you anything. Yeah, And you really do have to go in and be like, what is this? What is this person saying? How might that affect this? And all of that happens, but you get, if you choose to do it, you literally get a waypoint when you log into the map that shows you that. And I think that that does slightly take away from that experience. But I still think Deathloop's characters, you, wacky universe, and this idea of like having these terrible people that are in this the visionaries that are terrible people within this world and then trying to understand why they're there and how to pit that against each other so that you can eventually break it is interesting. And I think that the ending is so vague that you're like, you both have this sense of lack of fulfillment, but also the sense of wonder that makes you like, I can't wait to learn more. The big question is, will there ever be more? So that's my list. I do agree with uh, with Chris in the sense that I don't think this is a fantastic year for games. I still would say I don't think it's a bad year for games. I enjoyed a lot of games. Uh, Ratchet, you know, Halo, Kena, all those games. I just don't think as many of them stood obviously on top of the mountain in the same way that something like a God of War or Nier Automata did for me. Yeah. That's so. honestly this year for me. It's, it's pretty bland. Um, there wasn't anything that reached out to me like there has in previous years where like I played it and I was like, you know, this is going to be my game of the year. Um, it's kind of rough in that... Um, Deathloop was the closest I got to that. Where like I played it and I was like, oh yeah. I see, I didn't feel I it. I feel it. I didn't feel it really at all. And as a matter of fact, it took me... It's been a couple of years like this where I like having to go back and look at trophies and games that I played and thought, okay, these are the games that I could consider game of the year. Well, I'll have a special shout out to Mass Effect Legendary Collection. Uh, played played through all of Mass Effect One on that, and that game that was flawless. You know, no big glitches or anything. Um, completely the experience I remember it being, <laughs> even though that's not um, it's not what it was because of the glitches that was Mass Effect One was present. glitchy as hell. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I have to shout out that I have to shout near replicant because even though I was completely spoiled by near automata um, or, or automata, you know, however you want to say it, uh, I, I was spoiled by. It. I loved Near Replicant. I, everything about that game shouted that it was near and true near, but it's just, I did not fully complete it, which means getting all the endings just because how dated it was to do so. It's very much a product of a last gen game from the PS3 era. The requirements. And the yeah, requirements. For yeah. it to end that, yeah. Um, that game should have been. I kind of, I kind of wish, I kind of wish that they redid it a little bit to kind of fit that, like that, how replicant or, or automata was, but alas. Um, and then uh, another honorable mention that I have is um, Returnal. Uh, I think Returnal. You know, I think me and Brett were talking about it right before it came out, and there was a question of like, is it worth seventy dollars? And it absolutely was. It. It had I I saw so much so many hours into that game and not only from just the gameplay perspective but from the technical aspect of it and from the uh, technical marvel that is the DualSense controller and how it got to show off some of the features of the sound and the vibrations and how well it worked the triggers everything it helped complete that so those are my honorable mentions um, I only have two games on the list that I had to fight fight over in my head of game of the year. And the second place uh, is Demon Souls. Um, you know that that we had kind of had that conversation that it wasn't, it didn't really have a place in 
the year before. So it kind of fits into this year perfectly. And, you know, Demon Souls is a fantastic game. If it was not for that game, then I probably wouldn't be into Dark Souls. Um, at least not into the level I am now. And talk about technical marvels. That oh game, boy. It, it's still, there's still yet to have a game come out that has matched how that game looks um, game and plays. I would be remiss to say that there is not going to be a game this year that's going to come out looking that good still. I would I'm be very, very surprised yeah. um, that if it was, it'd have to be The Last of Us 2 um, or The Last of Us Remake. But, um, you know, there is reasons why that game's not on my favorite list. It's it's After replaying it, I used to say that Demon's Souls is tied for Bloodborne and then Dark Souls 3 uh, in terms of my favorite uh, Dark Souls games. And now it's completely not the case. It's actually my least favorite Souls game, just because um, it is the first. They played with some things in there that worked really well. They played with some things in there that I didn't really care for. And um, there's just there's something about the game where I guess it's just the way the levels feel. like They feel really linear. Um and they just kind of feel shorter in comparison to other things in like Dark Souls 1 and 2 and 3. But um, nonetheless, it's still a fantastic game. And it goes to say that even though it's considered, it's not my favorite game in the series, it's it's still a, like a, a, a 9 out of 10 game that deserves to be mentioned. Um, and um, my, my game of the year is um, Monster Hunter Rise. And that... Is because at that point when I looked at it, it on my Switch it said over sixty hours played, and that is the game that I have certainly played the most of this this year. Um, and not only that, but you know, talking about Returnal and Demon Souls of having, you know, next gen like features, um, Monster Hunter Rise really went to show off how powerful the Switch can be when it's developed for it properly because the game is gorgeous and it played <clears throat> really well. The, the, the performance was top-notch. I, I, I could think of maybe once or twice. I was like, oh, that's a frame rate drop. But other yeah. than that, it was pretty steady. You know, on that game, I, having not played it myself, you know, you, you showed me it. I was surprised at how good it looked, primarily because of how bad. And I, I'm not talking bad about the game. I didn't really love the game either. But Xenoblade Chronicles 2. I thought Xenoblade Chronicles 2 looked fine. And, yeah, I, and, I don't know. I, I don't, in in handheld mode, I, I don't thought that think game it, looked. I don't rough. think it looks bad at all. And I all. think it had a lot of frame rate issues as well when I was playing it. Yeah, I did have a lot of frame rate issues at launch. Um, it felt very low res. It felt like, it, and it was actually the resolution was like lower than PS Vita resolution. I get it's a huge maybe game. So. I'm not, yeah, it is. A I'm, massive I'm, I'm not comparing game. for that, but I'm saying like you know you're looking at a screen that's 720p with a game that's running at like 480p. Yeah, um, and. I think even docked that game only runs at 720p, and I know it's a big game, so I understand. I think that. they've updated and fixed those <clears throat> issues since then. Um, yeah, but, and I hope so. But it, it was one of those things, right, where that stains your idea for what a big open game can be on that system, because that was one of the only examples of yeah, that for a while. Not me though. I had Breath of the Wild was before that, <laughs> and I, I just thought that was poor optimization of the hardware on on who develops. Um, Monolith Soft, Mart? Is yeah, that who does? Right. Or Monolith? They do? It's not Monolith. Mm-hmm. Monolith Soft, yeah. Monolith is uh, but, uh, the WB developer. Yeah, so that's, you know, you, you look at Xenoblade Chronicles Remastered or Remake or whatever it's called, the first one, that game's like yeah, I didn't gorgeous. Yeah, so I, I don't know. It looks, I, I haven't played it either, but just looking at it, I actually thought about, you know, talking about being in my JRPG um, grind right now. Uh, but yeah, so Monster Hunter Rise, it, it, it was a perfect combination of classic Monster Hunter and Monster Hunter World. And it, 
Just like Monster Hunter World provided me with so many hours of playtime where it never got old. And that's, if you can give me a game like that or Slay the Spire, in which I can research things that are in the game to figure out the best min maxing for things, for uh, my play style, for my armor sets, for my, you know, or deck building in terms of Slay the Spire. And then you give me a nonstop like action or just nonstop gameplay where I'm not sitting there and I'm just like, oh, this is kind of a slow segment or something. It's just constant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then uh, it's automatically going to be one of my favorite games. So Monster Hunter Rise is my game of the year for 2021. Impressive. I feel remiss that I didn't talk about Near Replicant, but I think the the difference for me is that while I loved it, I've already played Near. It really wasn't that different. Yeah. I mean, the ending was the actual secret ending they added is pretty big ramifications and implications for the series. But it it is it's a game I still love to death, and I it's something I forgot it released this year. I guess I kind of did forget it released this year. Yeah, but it March. was more of that thing of where it's like it doesn't loom as big on my mind because it's it's something I've loved for a long time. Whereas I am kind of chasing that thing of like you can bring up Death Stranding, right, Chris? Because this is your mm-hmm. first time playing Death Stranding. But if you right. had played Death Stranding on PS4 and then played it again, I don't think it would have been immediately in your mind as like, yeah, this is my favorite game of the year. No. Because you've you've had that experience. The Some of the novelty that that puts it that way in your mind is, is lost on it. Which so. may be why Demon's Souls kind of was the way for me. Oh, I think I think definitely. So cause You, all, you tend to remember games better than they are. Maybe, yeah. I mean, I'll tell you right now, I you know I love Demon's Souls, and I often said as well that it was my favorite Souls game. Playing it again, yeah, it's iffy. I mean, iffy. I do love it still, and it's still right. a fantastic yeah. game. Don't but get me wrong; I still love it. Too, there are things about it's... it where, some, like you said, some things I actually were like, "This feels better than I remember," but other things are like, "Oh yeah, I kind of don't miss this weird obtuse thing that, yeah. they, that they do." You know, like the world tendency. Um, yeah, but, exactly. So I guess communities take this week will be what are what are y'all's game of the year? Right? We haven't asked that question yet. I don't, I don't think, think we have. I think we were trying nope. to save it for here. So yeah. So communities take is uh, you know what is your game of the year and uh, you know, throw out some honorable mentions if you feel like it. And of course, um, you know, winding down the episode. What is your favorite game released in 2021? <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I really think that's the best way to communicate that at this point. I agree. But, yeah, but uh, game of the year was know, World of World, World of Warcraft. <laughs> okay, I will smack you. But uh, yeah, for those that are that are new or for those who just got to hear it again, you know, you can find us at Discord in the description below. You can find us on Twitter at Triangle SQRD, and of course Facebook, where we have a Facebook group called Triangle Square to Place Podcast. You can listen to us on almost all podcast services across the globe. The only reason I say almost is because you know there might be a one out there we're not part of, and if we're not, and you listen to it, why don't you hit us up and let us know so we can get on it? And last but not least. We'd like to thank everybody who is supporting us on Patreon, where just at a dollar a month, you can help us support with costs, like um, maybe a new microphone for Chris. I don't know. We might have to <laughs> figure something out there. So that's going to come from you guys. And of course, you know, it's it's the first of the year, so we're going to have to get ready to pay all the fees for podcast hosting and stuff like that. So we'd like to thank you all for that. And, uh, you know, if you, uh, if you enjoy the show and you really want to support us, you can do it there. And if you don't, you know, if you're not a Patreon guy or if you're like me, who even though you enjoy content creators and you know you don't have you're not subscribed to my Patreon just because it's just not you know not part of you you just not the way you think then join our Discord or go follow us on Twitter and get involved and at least be part of conversations with us there. So, Shout out from the rooftops. Listen to Triangle Squared. Yeah, mm-hmm. don't, probably don't friends, do that. Tell, you might get the cops calling tell, you. Then again, that's controversy. Tell your mom if your mom's dead. Then like mine, just tell your dad and <laughs> uh, you know you can find somebody you love. But anyways, thank you all for two forty four and the game of the year episode. 
Uh, this typically, I would say, see you guys in 2022, but here we are, already starting off on a on a really bad leg. So yeah, but we'll we haven't guys. seen you much in 2022. So yeah, hey, we'll see you guys on an episode 2022. <laughs> Shout out to our new patron, the Lord Corgi. Thanks a lot, man. Glad to see you joining in the stuff. Can't wait to have some conversations with you about what we're talking about. Uh, Salvador Garcia, Hammondager, Bailey Robertson, Rob Warpoint, Mark Schutz, Cipher Primus, Kyle Grimm. Richard Schaefer, Rude Days 93, Joshua Lago, Kevin Bacon Bits, Luke Rabbit, Danny Villiobos, Solitary Red, Jehudi MD, Sean, Josh Ayers, Derek Porter, Constantly Kenny, Matthew Green, Sean Santarude, Steven Salazar, Shadowist, and my name is Dan. Thank you guys.